live from West Palm Beach. <laughs> no, uh, welcome to the Absurd Podcast. This is our first episode. What the fuck? I don't even know what the fuck year it is. It's 2020, and it's it's post it's post summer. Uh, I was at, we were we've been off the air for at least four months. I was in Iceland for a few months. I mean, actually, let me just bring everyone in real quick. I'm here with my co-host Andrew Dady and our guest of today. Dr. Frances Morales. Yeah, I think it's the third time. I'm the is it third? I know it's at yeah. least the second. At least the second, yeah. Yeah. Probably the third, though. I think it's You're the probably third, right. Yeah. Maybe your first time as a doctor. No, well, I'm just the, kidding. <laughs> no, as a, as a, Doc- in the Absurd Podcast, for yeah. the first. <laughs> Friends, <laughs> there was another name before, the Earth Force. <laughs> yeah, Earth Social Forces, sure, there we the go. Dragon yeah. Ball Z plug. Uh-huh. For, for those of you who don't remember, Semantics. Uh, Dr. Francesco, or just Frances for the purposes of this podcast, <laughs> he's a he's a, profe- he's a professor at UNF and UF uh, in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And right now he's teaching remotely. I guess we'll get a little bit to that in a little bit. But uh, uh, he just finished up his class like 15 minutes ago, and now he's out here because that's the beauty of the COVID age. But let, let's just jump right into it. What, what the fuck's today's date? Uh, the 27th. 27th. Okay, so it's August 27th, 2020. We've been off the air for a few months. Where do you guys want to jump into? <laughs> COVID? I don't know, man. Okay, we, I guess let's th- just let the conversation flow naturally. Start us off. Well, well, you mentioned post, uh, uh, post-summer something? Yeah, summer's pretty much over. Oh. I mean, September, to me, is the start of the fall. Labor yeah. Day. Labor We're day, in hurricane season. Isn't Labor Day Monday? Oh, wow. Uh, next the Monday after. Okay, because that's usually like the official like end of summer barbecue. Fair enough. I thought you were about to say post-Icelandic. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is post-Icelandic for me. I'm a father now uh, for the Woo! Congrats, yeah. Mazel Tov, yeah, you my, fucking my, Jew. My daughter, <laughs> my daughter Freya Eliana Neb was born wow. July 15th. Freya Eliana, that's... that's it's a, it's a Game of Thrones something. Like. <laughs> She's going to inherit something. So like, like, like the next book or something. Like, you know, as you guys know, like the... First of her name. You can only, <laughs> you can only name your kid names from the official name list in Iceland because, again, these are national socialists. They're not just socialists. They care about their culture. And the... Uh, anyway, so these fucking Nazis, they... Uh, <laughs> or for short. <laughs> yeah, but, but they've added like 20 female names over the last like 100 fucking years and... Eliana was added in 2014, so that worked out for my wife. Uh, you don't name your child when they're born in Iceland. You name them. This again, it's such a government status way of looking at the world. You do not name your child when they're born. You name them when you take them to the government facility to get their government papers a week or two after they're born. Mm-hmm. So when your daughter's birth certificate in Iceland, it just says girl, girl, boy, son or daughter of the two parents' names. So they're assuming, assuming the gender. Hmm. I know. Yeah, it's interesting how that works out. And then. Um, and then a week later, we took uh, two, a couple weeks later. I said, "Bring, you really got to name this kid." And uh, and we literally were at the government office waiting in line when she picked the name. It's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. That's I thought the kid's weird. name was gonna be Maria. Well, that's the problem with national mm-hmm. socialists, right? They but not only regard your property as their property, but also your children <laughs> as their property. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, you, that's the the usual fight uh, in the state that who is the owner of the kids, like because the kids are soldiers and, and taxpayers. Yeah. Um, so, but in Spain, it's the same, but. There is a guy there in the hospital when that happened. I mean, you don't wait two weeks for that. It sounds like uh, it's, it's not uncommon in Iceland to not name your kid for up to ninety days. What do you just refer to it as then? They refer to it as girl oh, so or it's my like daughter. Bird, bird box. But you have to understand Icelandic <laughs> words. You say like "dotter min," like my daughter. So like you refer to him like that. Uh, so what, 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 so when you arrive to the to the whatever office, you say, "Oh, I, I'm here with my daughter Freya." We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we've got too many Freyas for this year. Sorry, to get pick, ahead of yourself. pick another one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Why don't you check your freedom, <laughs> privilege at the door? And, but uh, but yeah, it's all. I think it's also because 
in America, when you're born here, you're already a citizen. In Iceland, obviously, you're not. It's mm. blood and soil over there. It's Europe. It's the old world. So you take your kid to the to the government office, and then they at that point, up to 90 days after the kid's born, then they say, uh, actually, I think it can go up to a year. Then they say, is this a a boy or a, sorry? They say they say uh, sorry. They ask you what the fuck, what name do you want, and then they cross reference it with their list. And then if mm. it's on the list, then you have to wait an additional three months for it to be adjudicated. <laughs> By Jesus a council Christ. of like name elders. Yeah. And sorry, my fucking phone keeps buzzing. Some fucking asshole. I can't. I can't pick it up, buddy. I already picked it up this morning. Anyway. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. In Spain, is mm. um, it was there was a list uh, basically based on the Catholic saint list. Yeah. You cannot go like out of that that, that list. But you can do like multiple languages of those Catholic names, right? You can mm-hmm. name your kid. What about like no. Catalan and Gallego or Basque? What about Basque names? Those when I was crazy. born, when I was that, that's the thing. I mean the the, the what happened is that you have people naming themselves uh, whatever they want, uh, and but, but then they're officially, legal officially, Oh yeah, officially. His, yeah. Is that why your name is Francisco and not Francesca? My name. Actually, I found out that when I get married, that <laughs> and I asked for my birth certificate, and it says Francisco Javier with a hyphen. And I mean, like, I knew that it was Francisco Javier always, but I never knew that it was with a hyphen. Oh, with a hyphen. I don't know who yeah. came out with this hyphen sure. thing. My parents never told me. Uh, and I was like, oh my so God. So you're like a Juan so Jose. Cool. You're like, your name isn't just Frances. It's, no, it's Francisco, it's Francisco Javier. Javier. Francisco Javier Morales Dude, you Garcia. should go by that. That's so dope. That sounds like fucking, uh, are you Zorro? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing also is that when I was born in 1980, I'm not entirely sure it was allowed to put uh, like Frances Xavier, the, the Catalan form of my name. Uh, I will say that that's a 1982 thing, probably. But it, it was like... Or like a 1984 thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Wink, wink. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But, but it was... A, uh, it, it, you couldn't do that. In the 70s, for sure. So everybody who is around, like, and they are like 50-something years old, saying, my name is Jordi, like, very Catalan name. Yeah. Their names are, are Jorge. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> officially in the papers. I, I, unless they they're change sla- it recently. Slave, so their slave name <laughs> their slave is Jorge, name was Jorge. But their real name is... Say my name. Yeah. <laughs> Say the name. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's Muhammad Ali. The, the did real you have name. a big fight with your mom? Like, did you throw like stuff at the wall? Like, how could you lie to me like this? <laughs> yeah. My whole life, I think my name's Francesc, and I've been on Francisco. Por qué, Maria? <laughs> Who am I? Am I even your son? I'm even your son. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Fer- Fer- Francis, don't call me that. <laughs> Can't Touch I me. T- I'm your mother. You're not. You're no mother. I have no mother. I have no mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mother always t- uh, 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 called me Francisco. Actually, my, my mother wants to, wanted to call me Fra Javier, just Javier. Uh, but then Francisco is the name of my father, too. And, uh, and Caldillo and, of Spain. And the Caldillo of Spain as well. <laughs> as well. And, and, but I, ne- I never knew about the hyphen, which is super cool, actually. It's like it, because it's very, very uncommon to have... For the, for the last names, it's not uncommon. But for the first name, I've seen that very, very few rare cases. How many birth certificates well, have what you about seen now? now? But now yeah. you can name what your kid. Name, but, but now you can name your kid whatever you want in whatever language that you speak. Uh, Chinese I, I, and born yes. in Catalonia. Can you be like mm. Ching Ching Hua? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about uh, like yeah, non. That, that revealed my bias. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know about non-Spaniard names, but but of course you can you can put like some Jordi. You can even now if I'm I mean if I remember correctly, you can even use the like the short versions of names. Like for example, Javier is is Javi. Yeah. Like the short form, so yeah. you can be legally Javi, or you can be legally Chevy. That is a short Catalan form. I thought it was Chavi. It's Chevy. Chevy in Catalan. Chavi is Basque. Have you oh, ever heard of Chevy I've, Chase? I've, I've, but many Catalans, because we have solidarity with other 
Freedom Fighters. Uh, <laughs> many people call themselves Chevy. I was called Pachi several times in my life. Chevy, like Chevy Chase. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Chevy Chase Hernandez. <laughs> With a hyphen. With a hyphen. <laughs> Chevy Chase. It has to have a hyphen. That'd be perfect. That's a great name. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, well, fuck me. Yeah. So anyway, my daughter is like six weeks old as of uh, two days ago. Oh, wait, no, today's Thursday. So six weeks and a day ago. And... Uh, Bring it, and that's it. My, my wife, my wife and daughter are still in Iceland as we speak. Um, I guess there's no way to not not discuss that. Uh, yeah, I'm living. I'm moving back to America. I was there for for 100 days. It didn't work out. Uh, these guys have heard the story, but the viewers haven't. Um, mm-hmm. More or less, uh, things just weren't working out when we got there. Um, we had some problems with the house we acquired. We're involved in a lawsuit now, trying to get our money back, which I think we'll be successful in. And then. And then I was a victim of a hate crime, which fits in perfectly with this program because this mm-hmm. is what me and Andrew always riff about, the intolerance of the left. So you know what if, how it feels now. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you know. <laughs> no, I mean, this is – so anti-Semitism is as old as the Jews, I mm-hmm. would say. Um, but a lot of people have this idea, especially because of the media, that most anti-Semitism in the world is coming from, like, right-wing neo-Nazis. And that's, that's just not correct. Even, like, the right-wing states, states mm-hmm. like Russia – which have like a rare combination of both, both like ostensibly their allies with Israel. They uh, they even have like a this is a classic thing that they did. I mean, there's even like one of the provinces of Russia is called the Jewish province, which they created to solve their Jewish problem back in the back in the 1900s, where they said, "Oh, the Jews can move to this province." Like, eh. nobody did. They said they mm-hmm. fled, and then um, most of them ended up in Israel or America. But but yeah, there's a there's there's no like the neo-Nazi threat to America. Sorry, neo-Nazi threat to to Jews certainly exists. Uh, cl- clearly, like you know, like in America, like the, when it comes to like hate crimes, like Jews are the number one victim of hate crime in America. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have like these these neo Nazis that go to to mo- sorry, to, mos- to synagogues and, and shoot them up. But but the truth is, like most of the intolerance comes from like the conversation around Jews themselves, and that that disproportionately comes from the left because most a lot of the right wing coalitions, whether they're super far right or just like mainstream right or Christian right. They actually like Jews because Jews are useful because, one, they bolster their own narrative, especially if you're Christian, of, like... Judeo-Christian. Yeah, Judeo-Christian values, theology, stuff like that. You know, all the Jews got to go to Israel to bring Messiah, ostensibly Jesus, back. You know, Uh things like that. Uh, It's it's left-wing intolerance of Jews that exist. But I like in America where Jews have, like, social, I would say, like, cachet and importance and, like, respectability because at the end of the day, we're, like, we're (coughs) ubiquitous in positions of, of media and power. In Iceland, there are almost no Jews. There's 100 Jews. Scandinavia, this is the way to put it. Like, Europe is the most anti-Semitic part of the world. It's not the Middle East. Mm-hmm. People just assume, because people have a really like, myopic way of looking at policy, like, oh, well, Israel recognizes the state of... Sorry, Iceland recognizes the state of Israel. Uh, Saudi Arabia does not. Ergo, Saudi Arabia is more anti-Semitic than, than, than Iceland. That's not true. I was treated nothing but respect in the Middle East. Of course, I wouldn't be that way in the Islamic State. I would be killed. But that's not... You can't conflate these things. Saudi Arabia is a mainstream state of representative of the Middle East. Iceland is a mainstream state representative of Europe. As a matter of fact, Iceland is consistently ranked, like, sometimes the best place to live. And I would say that's true for a lot of people. But if you're a minority or foreign or different, there's a huge, like, anti-foreign bias there. And, and Iceland is one of those states that, like, like participated in the BDSM. BDSM. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, Solid. Fucking Christ. B- Another D- bias BDS, BDS, no. BDS movement. Uh, I, like, think, uh, I think we should cut. Let, well, yeah. uh, let, let's go well, to publicity. Uh, boycott, <laughs> divestment, the sanctions. Anyway, against Israel. You know, that. that that's that. So... Mm-hmm. 
people just really dislike Jews. I mean, there's not a day that goes by when I'm in Iceland where if I'm wearing my my, my fucking necklace, like <clears throat> people people don't have something to say like pretty strongly about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was a bunch of smaller anti-Semitic incidents, but it culminated in the night. My wife went into labor. She wanted food. She told It was midnight on a Monday. She told me to go into this kebab place. It's not heading where you think. <laughs> so at the kebab place, there were like four Icelanders in front of me. I was the second person in line. This group of four was right in front of me. They turned around. They saw my necklace. Within five seconds of me walking in, they called me a Jewish pig in Icelandic. I said, is there a problem? Uh, one guy apologized. They were, he's like, oh, we're just drunk. I'm sorry. I'm like, look, I get it. I tell fucking bad jokes all the time, too. Like, uh, like mm-hmm. just order your food. But then the one guy who lost face originally, the man who made the remark, he got in my face. He gave me a little little fun shove. And, like, he was had his wallet in my face. Like, oh, is this what you want? Like, all this, like <laughs> basic, like, Jew money shit. Yes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, I fucking took his ass out. But then there was, they were all on top of me. And I got and then I turned around. I got headbutted. My nose was broken. I went to a different hospital than my wife the night she went to labor. Luckily, she didn't give birth that night. But yeah, it was just at that point I was like, I'm checked out, honey. Like I'm leaving. You and my daughter need to come home too. She's okay, but I want to stay a couple months for my grandma's 90th birthday. So I totally understand, but I'm going home to get our house in order. I'm not staying here any longer. So I left after a couple weeks after that, and I've been home now for a few weeks. And so yeah, it just didn't work out there. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's just there's just like to bring it back to the original point. It's just Europe is the most anti-Semitic part of the world. I mean, that's why the Holocaust happened there. Uh-huh. Jews were kicked out of every country in the world throughout their history, but they were only systematically murdered in one of them. <laughs> like there was always been pogroms uh-huh. and smaller like campaigns against the Jews, but they were more like isol. They weren't isolated incidents, but they but there was it wasn't like state sponsored in the same way. Anyway, yeah, and since and since Northern Europe, Scandinavia is the most progressive part of Europe, it should come no surprise they're the most anti-Semitic and that they dislike Jews and they really hate Israel. Mm-hmm. And then you take that to Iceland, which is the most extreme part of Scandinavia in many ways because it's an isolated island for a thousand years. And yeah, it's, they're very intolerant and it's it's a fucking problem. And I don't know, I'm glad I stood up to a bully, but but yeah, it was it was a painful personal experience to, to be mm-hmm. like I was I was a, I don't want to sound cooler than I am. I was scared. I was fucking frightened. You know what it's like to have people just surround you mm-hmm. and then like attack you and then you turn around ask anyone for help. Nobody gives a shit. And yeah. it was very scary. And now I have now my nose is deviated again. But fuck it. Five thousand dollars later, if I want to have a surgery someday to get it fixed for the second time in my life, I'll do that. And that's why I'm back in America. You guys. <laughs> were, were the people that were like the bystanders in, during this altercation, were they doing the American thing where they were like pulling out their phones and like filming it? Or were they just like I wish I had the disinterested? Luxury, I wish I had the luxury of seeing if anyone pulled out their phone. It seemed like everybody was just so like hungry that they were eating their food and like watching like this. Yeah. Dinner and a show. Yeah, dinner and a show. And, uh, <laughs> like, you know, the, the place is here, you know, I have a gumball machine there. <laughs> like, this, this is the funny thing too. Like the, the, the employees, I guess they didn't know what the fuck was going on because, you know, they don't really speak English, they speak Icelandic and Arabic. And I told him, like, there's a problem, are you going to help me in Arabic? And like, he just didn't understand what was going on. But then when the fight broke out, it, to him it looked like someone stood in front of me and I shoved that person. No, I was defending myself from the initial confrontation. And they kicked us all out. And then the one guy told me, don't you ever fucking come back here. But I just put a gumball machine in there that day. I was like, I got, I wanted to keep making money. And, um, and then the owner called me two weeks later after he looked at the security tapes. I apologized. I saw what happened. My employees are fucking stupid. They didn't know what was going on. Um, I was like, he's like, thank you for not calling the cops because obviously that would have been really bad for his bottom line. And nobody wants that type of press. And, and yeah, I was like, as long as I can keep my machine there, we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> if I can keep making $200 a month. Then... Consider this a contract, a yeah. donation in kind. Yeah, so fucking hell. Yeah, the only things I worked on ice is like, I don't know if anyone can see, I lost 30 pounds. I started doing the one meal a day after watching the uh, 
Rhonda Patrick, Joe Rogan podcast about uh-huh. intermittent fasting. That fucking works. I highly recommend that. Eat one meal a day between like three and seven o'clock. Make it massive. Eat like a feast, a medieval feast. <laughs> eat every day. I mean, you start with fruits and you eat like two different kinds of meat, and then, but yeah, it really does work. And then, um, and then I started gumball business in Iceland. I was the I was the second person to bring gumballs to the country of Iceland, so that was a huge success story. Uh-huh. And they gumballs in Iceland sell for a dollar, so that that worked out for me. That was that was more or less it. My daughter, the gumballs. <laughs> What's up, man? And whatever the fuck the third thing, losing weight. <laughs> <laughs> I got healthy, wealthy, and wise. Wow, nice. Wow. The 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 two H and a W. Wow, yeah. I know wealthy is W too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. Maybe not in catalog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, just, it, it, I don't know. I don't know what the fucking word. I, I don't speak that fucking language. Come on, give me a break here. I'm a fucking stupid American. <laughs> <sighs> So yeah, well, sounds like it was quite the journey. Hmm. Yeah, it was some would hum- say it was an odyssey. The phrase that I've coined is "I've been thoroughly humbled," and um, but I was happy to to honor my wife's request to move there. I think it's important to try things in life, even if you fail. I think that, honestly, it's more instructive to fail than to succeed. And um, it is. I'm just I'm just happy that I have I get to come back. This is nice. This is how I know I'm blessed. I get to lose. I could lose everything, and still have half of my stuff left. You know, okay. I come back home, I still have this house, I have my friends, I have my health, and it's all going to work out, but uh, I told her we can visit there anytime you want, but I don't want to live there. Like, there's no place for me there, even as a successful business owner. Like, yeah, but I mean, like you said, you honored her request and you gave it a shot. I mean, that's really all that could be asked of you. Yeah, you I mean, Teddy it. Roosevelt has that speech about, like, uh, you know, uh, what is it, the the man in the arena, you know, that whole thing. It's like, it's like, you you know, it, the, it belongs not to the critic. It's the man who is like marred by dust and sweat. Yeah. You know, he had a lot of those. I mean, well, rough riders. I mean, it's kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Battle of San Juan Hill one. <laughs> no, no, forget. Um, ugh, yeah. I mean, he had, he's obviously like an incredible president, but he's like a personal crazy guy. I mean, like, Purpose, didn't run for a second term. He's like, I've done enough. I've been, I've served the most perfect first term of any president ever. I'm done. Mic drop. Then he's like, he's like, my my uh, successor Taft can take over, who fucked up everything. So he came back with the bull moose party, split the vote, fucked up his own party's chances of winning. And then you have, uh, and then his sons died in war, and I think that kind of tampered his uh, enthusiasm for like the great man theory of history <laughs> towards the end. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> right, swing and a miss. <laughs> So it goes. Anyway, so I'm tired of talking. You guys say something. That, that's what happened to me. That's what I've been doing the last hundred days. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, for me, no change, really. I mean, like, the biggest thing and the best thing has been, you know, based off of this whole COVID pandemic. I'll, I'll drop that for you because mm. I know you're going to want to use it later. Um, well, you made money and bought a house, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. And then um, we also, uh, you know, I've been working from home, which has been really nice. Uh, haven't been, you know, having to go back into the office, which is great. You know, basically save an hour a day, you know, commute to and from work. Um, it's really good, I bet. Oh, it's so nice, man. Be able to roll out of bed 15 minutes later, be at my desk in the office. You know, answer emails, phone calls, whatever. Still get to spend time with my daughter, which is great. Um, you know, we have breakfast every morning. We, you know, do lunch every more uh, afternoon, if you will, um, and uh, really get a chance to bond and chat. And so that's been huge for our personal development, relationship development. Well, it's certainly great for the aspect of society that you occupy as like an educated professional who can work at home and has the ability to take care of his daughter at the same time. 
as you know, that's not the case for most people. Most people do not make great money off the stock market. Like, like, and, and, so and also, like and I like, said, it's been yeah. great for me. No, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, like trying to like contextualize. Like, no, I think it's awesome what's happened for you, yeah. and it's just, this, it's just this weird thing because this, like all crises, this reveals like how class-based our society is. And I'm not, I'm not calling you an oligarch or anything. Like, it's like, you're not plutocratic. <laughs> no, 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 you can. It's no, okay. you're not plutocratic. I'll touch with the citizenry. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's just nuts. Like, you know, unemployment is is through the roof. Like this is our first episode during the pandemic, I think. Yeah, for sure. And look, don't sue us. We're yeah. we're not six feet apart. We're not wearing yeah. masks, but yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we all got COVID tests before the episode. I'm gonna try my best. I, I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try my best to like uh, to taper my enthusiasm because there's so many topics relating to COVID. And we haven't discussed any of them, whether it's the the whole mask debacle or or like the stratification of the workforce like now we've realized like a lot of people are saying like some people are never going to go back to work not yeah. because they're not going to get a job but because like even professionals realize that yeah they're finding that the productivity levels are fine sure yeah absolutely for real companies yeah i mean and it's doing a lot to like dismantle the idea that you have to be in some sort of like urban city center type of environment where you you know you have to have this like intellectual hub like a san francisco or mm-hmm. new york city or a I don't you need know. to be Austin. in. A, you need to be in a, in a hundred million dollar building in order to be productive. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not exactly the truth. Um, but yeah. So besides that, you know, just trying to do our best to make it through these most trying of times. Um, and uh, besides that, feeling pretty good about the future. So you know, just generally optimistic. So, and uh, so we've heard how the COVID has affected you personally with your your career. Mine, more or less, just I do vending machines. So with the there's been a coin shortage. Sure. Uh, I'm sure people have seen like if you bring like fifty dollars in quarters to Wawa, you get a free sandwich, which is a pretty good like seven dollar deal. Yeah. Uh, but the, other than the coin shortage and like some reduced profits, we've been reasonably all right. And then like I want to pivot to Frances because you're in academia, and this has had a, a much larger influence on your work. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know exactly how to start with the whole thing uh, because the pandemic. It, it was declared a pandemic um, in March. Uh, and I say it was declared because that's an official thing. and It's an administrative thing by the, the World Health Organization. Even if we know the, um, that the, this virus, this particular virus, and we know as a fact, was already in 2019, March 2019, in Barcelona. Uh, so it was already with us. Can you talk about for, that for, for the viewers? While. Because I think a lot of people have this idea, like what the media told them, which is that, oh, sometime in October, November, December of... 2019 this came out in china and then Mm -hmm. a few months later it had spread all over the world but scientists have now found definitive evidence that it's it was in europe slowly creeping through the population as early as february march of 2019 yeah we we i mean we we relate uh uh still now the the virus with china the the province of wuhan uh because it was declared by the, the People's republic of china purposes as okay we have an epidemic situation here and then few few months like between 2019 2020 it became a, a global a global issue and then when the pandemic arrived to um, it was a clear pandemic in March and we started to have uh, infected and people dying in in Spain and Italy because of the because of the virus some researchers in the University of Barcelona they started to check apparently they keep the the feces from the sewers like <laughs> Every, they have like samples for like day by day for the last two, two, three years or something like that. This is why, yeah, this is why I put them away. Fuck me. You have, a, you have an intruder there. I have to carry these dogs. Sorry. So we have. Uh, uh, oh my God. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so we have these, uh, these tests, these samples that could be tested. 
and some some of them came with the idea oh maybe we we should like check the the sewer feces in order to see uh if there is a correlation between the presence of the virus in in our sheet basically and the uh, uh, percentage of people infected sure. instead of going through the pcrs and etc and it looks like there is a there is a way to check how infected right. is a, yeah, group, yeah, a human that. group mm-hmm. just checking uh what we sure. our crop basically. yeah of course yeah there's there's viral remnants in the stool exactly so doing that they discovered that we already had the virus in january okay. 2020 so that's months before the declaration of a state of alarm in spain and we were surprised about that. We were like, Whoa, that's that's very like early. And then they started to go back, 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 and they 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 found uh, that in March 2019, we already had the the virus of what we call COVID-19 in the. So the people in Barcelona were basically shitting the virus already in yeah, March 2019, right. and they cannot go more like back because they don't have more samples. As I said, they they yeah, yeah they only the save them for like a certain amount. Like of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then the hypothesis is that in in March every every March except this year we have the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. It's something that is happening every year since I don't know exactly when. So people around the world, and I'm talking about dozens of thousands of people, gather in in, in a small city as as Barcelona is. Um, so probably came from another country that we assume maybe it was China, but we are not entirely well, sure. Well, there's a huge Chinese population every major city and and region on earth because yeah. I mean, I also have questions, though. So when they did their, like, viral sampling and testing and everything, do they know for certain that it is the exact strain that is the one that they say has... Oh, it's, exa- it's exactly. It's the, exactly. the SARS-CoV, blah, 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 number, whatever. Okay. It's, 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 it's the virus. It's okay. the same I, virus. I just wasn't sure yeah, if yeah. it was, like, some it other, like, similar, very another, similar... Another coronavirus kind right. of thing. No, no, it's, that, it's the okay. same virus. Interesting. Uh, well, the same... I mean, we know that the In virus, as they much have as different... Possible. Right like a strange or whatever, families or whatever the, the expression they use, but it is that one. Okay. Uh, that maybe explains why, uh, and, and people usually forgot that, we have other diseases as a part of coronavirus. I mean, we have yeah, of millions of people dying right. by tuberculosis every yeah. year. And and the flu, the flu, the regular flu kills like 60,000 people per year in the United States. Uh, and, and in Spain, by March 2020, we already had like six, 7,000 people dead because of the because of the regular flu. Right. And and the hospitals were already like in some type of um, dire distress, like almost collapse okay. uh, at the beginning of 2020. And maybe what happened is that they already dying by COVID, but yeah. we didn't know. Right, you the, just the chalk it up to a flu death. Well, that's exactly. what they were. That's right. what they were looking at when the difference was that there was no fear. Right. Yeah. This this, this, this right. is why this is why we're the first time I saw the word pandemic. I'm like, oh my god, some right wing tinfoil hat shit. Here we go. But no, it's 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 a totally apt term because because once the government agencies. And uh, and like the international agencies declare something a pandemic that creates a fear level. We've seen this for the past twenty years with things like SARS and H one N one H one N one. You know, bird flu, all this, all, all this fucking shit. And um, and and this time it just happened to be a, a slightly more successful virus, but mm-hmm. it's just been a total power grab from start to finish. I mean, you know, what China does in Hong Kong or what China does to its Muslim population, the Uyghurs, with the concentration camps, with the uh, Hmm. What fucking what Russia did with their with their new constitutional vote? What America did with the biggest wealth transfer ever, uh, just printing trillions of dollars worth of money and mm-hmm. and completely saying things like, okay, uh, people like Andrew will have a job, people like uh, Jose the uh, custodian will not have a job. Uh, fucking, uh, you know, just there's just so many aspects. Of, like the the bailout, like you give every American citizen twelve hundred dollars, a one time check for. 
four What's months. A, what has been like a five months now? Yeah, five month disruption in their life. That's it, probably gonna carry on for at least a year. And uh-huh. oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah, we just. I mean, Americans are already on edge to begin with. Half of Americans only have five hundred dollars in the bank account. So if you take away their livelihood, huh. you're just fomenting like the most radical type of politics and revolution imaginable. Yeah. And you combine that with like other stressors politically, like the BLM movement, or or just like our dysfunctional political system to begin with it's not like people were like super happy with trump to begin with or super happy with the democrat party uh-huh. and you see what this does to, this is like a weird election too i mean like what it's done to the to the primaries what it's done like like to just today pelosi is pelosi the speaker of the house said like oh we're not gonna have debates for the presidential election regardless of you feel about the efficacy of those debates the fact that we're not having them is weird and troubling yeah, right for uh-huh. sure well i mean just the fact that Less they're allowing people to to vote early you know by mail and there won't even be a debate before that before a lot of states start mailing in ballots it's like this creates all kinds of controversy and you if you want to create uh you know an environment where people don't necessarily trust that their votes were counted or that there was some fuckery afoot like this is the recipe however this however this election goes people are going to claim massive fraud on either side to some legitimacy or another and it it just it just spells disaster um i don't know This, this is a big one but yeah i mean for sure, I say pandemic because, you know, you look at the deaths per day, you look at the actuary tables, like heart disease, cancer, even regular diseases like influenza, which kill more people. And they and no, people are losing their shit because the coronavirus has taken on a life of its own socially. <laughs> I mean, you thought everything was politicized before. I mean, we're seeing people beat the shit out of each other at a bagel joint. Put on your fucking mask, or, yeah. or, some, or you know. Oh yeah, I mean, some wars. of the videos are, are fucking hilarious though too, because I mean, like you get like the the serious like right wingers who like don't necessarily buy into any of it, um, <laughs> and they're 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 acting a fool. The same thing goes for the left. It's like I'm wearing my mask to protect you. Like, why don't you put your mask on to protect me? And it's like, whoa, take it easy there, grandma. Like the fact that you have your mask on is going to do the yeoman's work of preventing you from catching this fucking disease. So, like, let's just have some common courtesy, and then if you have a problem, take a wide berth. You know, like, everybody can can go about their business and not necessarily have to worry about what anybody else is doing. Of course, if you want to say something in passing, that's fine, but to to create some sort of, like, kerfluffle or brouhaha over it, like, you're, you're over your skis. Let's just be reasonable about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my brother Steven's a, you know, a medical doctor, and he's really lost his temper over this because like it's amazing that most people do not have a medical training or background and this is, he goes this is a time for elitism you know You're like it's not elitism to say that that doctors and medical professionals should be like taking the rein at least on the conversation maybe not maybe not even like public policy but at least the the the, the conversation and we're he says we're just saying all kinds of factual things he goes he goes the mask people wear don't do shit. He goes, and then he goes, let's pretend you have a nice mask. Let's pretend you have like a, a breather mask that shoots out. Okay, that protects you. It yeah, doesn't protect right. the others, but that's not how the government's saying it. It's like, wear, wear a piece of cloth in front of your face, <laughs> and actually that will protect others, not yourself. And that's not, that's just not true. Yeah. And, and they've actually shown things like when you tell people things like wear gloves and wear masks, which you actually create is a false sense of, you create simultaneous fear and a false sense of security because then people, oh, I'm wearing, I'm wearing gloves, so I'm safe with my gloves. Yeah. And then, uh, and like, oh, I have a mask <clears> on, so now it doesn't matter what, what oh, yeah. I'm standing with well, what you, people. You could walk through the supermarket and you can see people pull their phone out to look at their grocery list or whatever and then, and then put it back in their pocket and then they go and they take their mask off, they take their gloves off in their car thinking, okay, now I'm safe. They pull that same phone back out and then they touch their face or do whatever and it's like, Human- and, and for the record, are you, are you, you don't get this? Like, you can't follow logically from like A to Z, my, like how, and, and my problem is that you may have exposed yourself 
yourself. My problem isn't with like the human aspect of it. Like we're animals. Like we're gonna keep touching our bodies and our face nonstop. I think it's I think it's ridiculous to try to tell people or to think that the government can stop people from congregating, from socializing, from touching things, from creating fomites. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just not gonna happen. Like what we have to do is just I, again I would defer to like the Swedish or, or or Dutch model, which is look guys, there's a disease. It exists act accordingly but we're not going to disrupt your lives like go about your business and we'll do our best as a society to wait for the and to, to you know to 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 survive until the whatever the fucking the, the vaccine comes out and that's a much more responsible thing they've actually shown despite being like all inter- now of course it's still been damaged done these are international economies all economies are integrated there's no such thing as being isolated unless you're north korea uh-huh. in 2020 <laughs> but um but but in terms of like Social happiness levels, uh, the depression-related crimes associated with COVID, like suicide, beating your wife, uh, divorce rates, things like that. Those are all they haven't been elevated. They haven't been skyrocketed in those countries like uh, the Netherlands or Sweden, and their deaths have still been lower than countries like America or Spain, which have done far more drastic lockdown measures. Uh-huh. So this is the point: is that lockdown doesn't work because it doesn't. It's a bullshit one-size-fits-all solution, and it's and a solution. I use that word "solution" very liberally because. You, you anything that you do may be a solution. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's, yeah, I mean, solving I just, we, differential. We were equations. talking about this the other day at Waffle House because it's the only appropriate place to have this conversation. I was like, last night, I was like, Frances, people before March, before March fifteenth, whenever they declared pandemic, would have gone out at night, had a million drinks, been this close to people's face, gone home with a girl, eaten her ass, <laughs> and had her come all over his face, and people were like, that's fine. Yeah, but now, but now people are afraid of the air. I yeah. mean, we've created like, like I don't know, if a Stephen King novel. Or we've created like this, like this yeah. ridiculous level of fear. That's that's basically because. Well, I, I didn't. Ex- I just explained the, the situation in Spain, but I didn't explain my situation with. The oh yes, thing. yeah, yeah. So uh, let's, let's uh, pin and back. I gotta get a vodka, so, so explain. I, I was te- I was teaching. That was Can March twenty twenty. I was in the middle of of the semester. Alex, I think you're you're happy to feel. Can like you bring out a thing of ice? Yeah, I'm with All right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I thought you heard me, but they were anyway. So uh, I was in the middle of the semester, and there was a uh, a, a moment where we were saying, "Oh my God, what's going on in, in, in at the University of Florida? The universities in general, schools, etc." And and finally, the classes were canceled. If I remember correctly, March 16, and they were saying, "Okay, we're going to cancel classes, presential classes. I mean, the semester is going to keep going, and and summer A is going to be also online, but summer B we're going to come back. The summer B w- was moved a year later." And the fall also was moved a uh, year, year, uh, year later. That's why at UF is going to start this Monday. In other universities already started, right. uh, like at UNF. Mm-hmm. And and I was there, and I was telling my students the last day I was I was seeing them in in in, in class, and I just started to notice that some of them they started to be in in, in a panic mode. They start they started to be they they start they stopped showing up. Right. Some sure, of them. Yeah. I'm already afraid. Right. I don't know what to do. And I'm not saying I'm afraid. I'm going with my parents. I'm afraid. I'm I'm blocked freeze in my apartment i don't know what to do uh and i was telling the to, to, for the few students that they were they were coming to my class or the, the half of the students that were coming the last days i was saying okay the most important thing that we have to understand is that we cannot we cannot teach you um that you have to be afraid with this and i was t- telling my colleagues as well as that the, the problem with the whole outbreak narrative is that we we teach the society how to be afraid and I'm saying outbreak narrative because this is a uh, this is an important uh, issue. We learn we as a society as humans, we don't learn about elements of society or elements of culture or anything 
through, let's say, non-fiction, we'll learn a lot of things through fiction. And scenes like the, I will say the 80s, we have this thing called outbreak narrative, where we are afraid about certain diseases. You call it Ebola, you call it AIDS. They were the, the big two ones were these ones. I remember I was in England when the, the swine flu, nobody remembers swine flu right now, apparently, but I was in England and I already saw in a, in a local scale the, what we have now in a global scale. People started to cry out of nowhere because they realized that their roommate was Mexican because it was associated <laughs> with Mexican population. Sure. And it's very easy in an identity-based society, it's very easy to, to add another layer of, of problematic because then the disease is going to come with you because of the color of your skin or your nationality, etc. Et you are the infected. Right. Exactly. Well, it's uh, like when people were afraid of homosexuals in the yeah. 80s because they literally thought if you were near a homosexual, yeah, breathe you get the HIV. Same uh -huh. Even though even the majority of homosexuals <clears throat> don't have HIV. But yes, they're yeah. the at risk group. This is the problem with numbers. I mean, you know, this is the whole thing. You, you take 7 billion people. We were kind of going through the math the other day. You know, what percentage of 7 billion people? get exposed to the virus what percent and actually a real world example would be more useful iceland did an amazing study while i was there they test because it's a perfect place because they're small and they're and they really do respond to this type of authority they for they force people to get tested right and um iceland is 300,000 people half of them 150,000 live in the capital they tested 50,000 people this is testing unlike any other scale imagine testing one third of your only city and so they test 50,000 people. And before this test had happened, they already knew that 1,900 Icelanders had gotten confirmed COVID-19 cases because they had gone to the hospital, tested positive, and 11 of those 1,900 people had died. And that's a general way to understand how this virus works to begin with on a lethality scale. Out of that 50,000 people, what fucking scared the shit out of them or surprised them was that 3,500 of them, so more, more than double than the confirmed cases, had already had the virus because they already had antibodies to it. And they're uh -huh, like, uh -huh. well, that's odd. And they said, do you recall ever being sick or having any illnesses, even like a, a light cold? Like, no, no, it felt fine. Uh -huh. These are asymptomatic people. So you already had like this two-to-one ratio. And the WHO has gone around on this. Like, it could be one-to-one -one or it could be ten-to-one. We're not exactly sure. But in the Icelandic example, it was almost two-to-one people who had the condition and didn't know it versus people who had it and didn't know that. And then, obviously, they're symptomatic enough to go to the hospital. So uh -huh. they had varying levels of symptoms. But that's the whole thing. So, and then when they extrapolate from that, because those people went about their lives shaking hands, pounding fists, pounding, pounding pussy, whatever the fuck <laughs> is they do, they they assume that those three thousand people then expose an additional like hundred thousand people to the virus. So, so it's like you can take a population of three thousand people, expose a hundred thousand of them to the virus, and then and then only two thousand of them are gonna not only get five thousand of the hundred thousand will get the disease, two thousand will actually know they have the disease, and out of two thousand. 19 people will die. Mm -hmm. These are not strong numbers for destroying the entire world economy, social order, and like and just bankrupting the government coffers. Unless there's an ulterior motive. Yeah, I think the motive is, of course, power. It's always about seeing, like, what can we get away with? If we give, create this much fear, we can get this much done. Yeah. And and what was scary to me was, like, my wife had gone there before it was a pandemic, and then went back two weeks later when it was a legal pandemic. And when she went there the first time, because the government had said there's nothing to worry about, she was interacting with everybody. When she went back two weeks later with, with me... People wouldn't see us for 14 days. Like, mm -hmm. I, I refuse to see you. It's too dangerous. And I'm like, nothing has changed. Like, the, the infection rates around the world, this is where they're at. Like, it is what it is. Like, we could, we could, be, we could test negative when we arrive in a country, have, have contracted the virus on a, pl on a plane, and then five days later, you know, infect you. Like, there's just no way to go about this usefully. Like, people think we live in a zombie movie where you can just, like, line people up. Mm -hmm. and honestly, when they started showing the thing at the airport where they were, like, 
temperature screaming yeah. people's face. That was literally a scene out legend. of fucking uh, I Am Legend. I Am Legend. And I was yeah. like, oh my god. And then they're oh. like, oh, negative. Kill her. No, hey, hey, touch her again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's unbelievable. And yeah, people, have, I do believe people have been trained to be. Huh. F- fear has always been the driving narrative of most of human history, I would say, as opposed to hope. And yeah, so, yeah. That's what I say, the outbreak narrative. We yeah. have been training the, in this outbreak narrative since the let's say, late 70s, early 80s, as I said. And the reason that this outbreak narrative came is because there was a change uh, around the 40s after, after World War II. We, we eliminate the big, um, the big diseases back then, especially polio. That, by the way, um, and I don't know if in all Africa or some or majority of Africa was declared almost extinct, um, like uh, almost eliminated two days ago, I believe, uh, because that was the, the main. Uh, oh, they finally finished the polio disease. in Africa too. Like officially on official numbers. I mean, you can you cannot destroy a disease. That's the other thing that's going to happen. Yeah. COVID is not going to disappear. No, right. it's going to it's going to like it's going to be it's a, going to you're you're going to have random outbreaks in the future. Yeah. But if but if but if all the really vulnerable people got exposed and or sick or died from mm. the most virulent strain, which again still has a super high mm. survivability rate, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, the influenza that exists today is the same influenza that existed in 1918 or whatever. It's just that all the weak people died, mm-hmm. and so because the disease wants to survive, so it becomes it becomes. People don't know you have like my brother Steve was telling me this at lunch today. At any given moment, you have seven cancers growing in your body, but your body will destroy them in less than three months, and you'll never know because they'll be gone. When the one out of three people die of cancers, because one of those seven cancers at a certain point in their life succeeds, you know everything is a response to the immune system. He goes, "You have diseases in your body right now, but your body is, is not responding to them, and they're not successfully infecting your cells because uh-huh. you have a, a functioning immune system." Yeah. Random people, so of course, the immunocompromise should be scared. If you have lupus or something way worse, yeah, uh-huh. you're not going to be able to. Sur- like, even though cases have gone up, um, hospitalizations and deaths have gone down, and it's because we finally found a treatment program that works. Steroids. You know, make uh-huh. it, because it attacks the lungs. What do you do when you get like a massive, when you get really bad influenza and then you get pertussis or you get pneumonia in your lungs? They give you steroids so you can stop coughing your fucking brains out and scarring up your lungs. So, and the steroids were great, but you can't give steroids to the immunocompromised because then they'll get a super rare disease and die from that. Uh-huh. And there's just, I just don't like this like, this, this like heavy handed like paternalistic government approach where we say like, to protect the 0.01% we're, I mean, because this is the whole thing. Like, what have we been saying the American thing? Like, the one, fuck the one percent, fuck the one percent. But then when you ch- substitute one percent from straight white rich male to, I don't know, old straight white rich politician, <laughs> then people go like, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> we got to, we got to. Pre- <laughs> yeah. You're killing my grandma. All this shit and yeah. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no. So the, what happened with these diseases that they were uh, eliminated in our lives? But it was way common to have like tuberculosis, uh, polio up to the even the 60s sometimes uh but it was not a thing so what happened is that um we have uh, asian agency government uh, government agencies especially in this country that depend on this type of diseases to to thrive to exist actually, right not to thrive just. yeah this is where their bread is buttered uh-huh. uh and then another type of diseases started to appear this kind of like lethal virus that is going to kill us all someday and they started working on those type of uh projections and i'm saying projections because they are they were not based on reality of course think about that famous movie outbreak with dustin hoffman the, the right. monkey escaping that movie is based on one of these um projection reports that were made in in the, the basically in the in the offices of the american government um and it's based on that they are not even playing the card of let's let's exaggerate the situation no this idea of this virus is going to destroy almost the entire population of the Earth in, in a few months. 
was a, a, an official uh, explanation. I'm old enough to remember uh, what happened with AIDS when I arrived, especially when I arrived in force in the late 80s, early 90s. It was something that it was explained. You, you, I mean, everybody can check that in, in any magazine back then or any newspaper back then. Uh, it was meant to destroy the humanity at some point. Yeah. That was the explanation of AIDS. And, and of course, it didn't happen. <laughs> and then other viruses came, and we started, we, again, we had this kind of um, response in the media. Now, finally, we have a virus that resembles because it's new. We never encountered something like that. Uh, it survived it's in our novel. bodies. Mm. It, it survives in our, in our bodies long enough to infect other people in a massive scale. And that's what is interesting in the media. They, they're going to teach you. They're going to uh, tell you in a very, very scary uh, situation that you have black and, and black and red numbers when they, they use like right, infected. Right. The scare quotes. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they're infected yeah. or red. Yeah, infected yeah. or something. like. But yeah, but these people infected. Like, they are not people dying or even showing the symptoms. Right. But the way that they explain those things, it fits with this outbreak narrative. And now they have something that almost matches the outbreak narrative. Yeah. So it, this is very, very powerful for the governments that have been working on that for decades. Actually. Right, right. And also like hungry for power, like anything hmm. they can do to, to gain more and more yeah. influence. So I repeat, it's not that the diseases are fake news or some kind of fabrication. They exist. But the way we pedagogically explain to the to the society, to the citizens of our countries is not healthy. Well, yeah, that's what I'm arguing. I'm not arguing that there's nothing to be seen here. There is clearly a disease that is spreading through the human race. But even using that type of terminology it, like, is problematic because it's creating fear where there need not be any. Like, mm -hmm. I try to think, you know, pe that's the other thing too. You know, people tell me, oh, when you become a father, then you understand what it's like because apparently I didn't know, love anybody before I had a kid, supposedly, according, <laughs> according to this, this way of thinking. You'll never love anybody like you love your and, kid. <laughs> and then I'd be like, you know, you know, how could you move back to America? Aren't you afraid for your daughter? I'm like, if my daughter dies, It'll be from a car accident. It'll be from drowning before the age of five, or it'll be from a car accident before the age of thirty. Yeah. It's not going to be from this disease, man. I mean, it could be, but it's just the the possibility is so remote from right. my mind. Right. Not because I'm ignorant, but because I am the opposite. I'm, I'm I know the facts. Yes. Yeah. And we're just we're just not helping so anybody. I, I guess that you already had conversations with you know a, a relative, a close family member, or a friend died or, or has a, has been hospitalized or something like that, and the reaction of our people around you is like, oh my god, it's COVID. No, it's the other million things that they have right. been killing us yeah, for exactly. forever. Exactly. I mean, look at all the people that weren't able to visit their relatives, like on their deathbed, uh -huh. because of fear of the virus. Like they would say, like, "Oh no, you can't go visit your your uncle who has stage four cancer, who's got like days to live." And and it was like, "Oh, because we're afraid that you're going to infect mm -hmm. the hospice wing of the hospital." It's the, it's the relative level of fear too, like how people like judge risk because humans are monkeys and they don't really understand anything on any useful scale. Right. Like, you think about the... Uh, yeah, numerically or just statistically. Just think about how many yeah. nuclear launch sites we have in America that have been proven to be completely unmanned. And, like, and like using, like, technology from the 60s, they say, one spark, and this thing will fucking launch. And it's yeah. like... And we haven't been able to upgrade the system because it's a trillion-dollar system, and we don't have money for that, apparently. And so... And, uh... But people don't. People never lose their sleep at night over well, nuclear like war when you or, ask, or, or environmental degradation. When you ask a, a random was a person kid, on the street, when like, you ask a random like, person on the street, like even to just try to digest like orders <clears> of magnitude, <throat> when you ask them like how many seconds are there in like a day, like or yeah. how many how many days a million seconds are, mm -hmm. and then you say, okay, well, how many are a billion? And it turns out to be like several, like like a, several decades longer, and they're like blown away by that. Yeah, so human like, life is a billion seconds. Right, so it's <laughs> like, you know, you're just not, you're not going to get reliable information from people that don't necessarily have to deal with those types of numbers at scale during the course of their everyday mm. lives. I mean, they got so many fucking things to be concerned about that they're just going to see 
this, like you said, yes. like a media narrative, like, oh, you should be afraid. They'll be like, oh, yeah. well, I'm afraid now. Like, I mean, okay, that and makes again, sense. If the, if the experts, if the talking heads are telling me that I should be afraid, I'm going to be afraid. Huh. Like, is that really, like, a good and, way to go through life? And unfortunately, this is, Judge like one, for of the, yourself. This is one of the big problems with uh, secular Western-style democracy, I have to point out. Like, because decisions are somewhat... Uh, it's funny, because we say we live in an individual, individualist society and that places like China are a collectivist society, and that's true on a social level. But when you look at how decisions are made, it's the opposite. We actually do have some aspect of democracy in the society. So that means politicians feel a social pressure to do something. And so when this, hey, there's a pandemic, what are you doing? It turns out the best course of action is to do nothing. Even if, even if they said that fact, they would all lose their jobs because like, oh, mm-hmm. you're a do-nothing politician, you're a do-nothing president. Yeah. An empty suit. Yeah, you're an empty <laughs> suit. So so they say, okay, we're going to do crazy stuff. Okay, well, that's not enough. Okay, well, we're going to shut down all these businesses. Wait, 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 I'm your rich, powerful donor. Okay, fine, fine. These businesses can stay open. These businesses cannot. And picking winners and losers yeah. on a massive scale. I mean, I would say on a socialist level, picking winners or losers in the marketplace and this has had just profound problem with me. This is America on a more centralized government for six months. And you can see, like, the catastrophic results. Imagine if it was on a greater scale or a longer scale. I can only imagine the yeah. devastation. To I the think society. the best thing that possibly could have happened is that this pandemic occurred during an election year, whether it was an accident or on purpose, because you at least can read the poll numbers, right? So you uh-huh. see, like, that there are two separate, very, like, polarized responses right where trump's like essentially saying like the right wing is like hold on let's take a metered approach let's open things back up we know that our base needs us to do certain you know xyz to be able to like let them live their lives and be productive then on the left it's like you have biden who from his basement is like oh i would listen to the experts if it meant shutting down the entire country i'd shut down the entire country and literally overnight the polling went from like you know, plus fucking 10 Biden because Trump's a fucking idiot and can't get yeah, out of his own way. Toss again. So a coin toss. Mm-hmm. And so, like, obviously there's other externalities there. Like, I mean, there was some other shit that was going on as far mm-hmm. as, like, his VP choice and whatnot. But, like, you, you can you could put your finger on the pulse of the American kind of thought process, right, and say, okay, well, there's clearly a large proportion of the people that live in this country that are looking for a more reasonable approach, not necessarily one extreme or the other. The government has to realize what it can do and what it can't do. And unfortunately, we because we spent decades doing the government attempted to do things that it has no business doing or just can't do well. Right. You know, and now we create something that they certainly can't handle, which is like stopping germs, which is impossible. Just move it closer to you. No, nah, it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> looking at the levels, I'm uh, telling you. Well, yeah, the, the, uh, the famous <laughs> the, the famous invisible enemy. That's not a the, suggestion. The germs. <laughs> What's up? The famous invisible enemy that we have to be aware of. Yeah. Because the person next to you can kill you. That's part of the outbreak narrative. (laughs) All right. So before we get too far down that rabbit hole further, finish your experience in academia. Oh, yeah. What's it like being a teacher? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so I think the last thing I I mentioned was that I I tell my students and my colleagues that we are making a mistake that we are teaching the students to be afraid. More than usual. uh, Because we are... <laughs> we have this generation that basically are is is this generation that is the union pa- uh, the, the 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 patriot act generation basically so it's a generation that for them a good immigrant is something like uh i don't know pitbull and bad bunny and things like that and they don't know exactly how to Bad react Bunny's Puerto Rican is not immigrant. When <laughs> <laughs> they don't know exactly how to react when we have kids in cages in the frontier of United States and the United States of Mexico. So, because they are not trained to understand that there is a problem there. Uh, because for them, it's, it's a natural thing to, to identify 
and that's enough to have some cert certain rights. They don't understand that identify somebody as a, as a, as anything. Uh, it's highly problematic. Identify as a U.S. citizen. They I believe. Mean, <laughs> boom. <laughs> they, be they believe it's a right. <laughs> Done. <laughs> they believe it's a right, and they believe it's a good thing. So they believe that if you consider, you have to be the 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 best, the the most accurate Latino description you can get in some form, and that's going to be good. They don't understand that that's bad, <laughs> because they 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 were born in two thousand one, two thousand, two thousand two, and they are in college now. So it's this generation that they are learning about 9-11 as, as a historical fact. Not right. as something that... Yeah, yeah, they didn't they, experience it. I was 21 when that happened. Yeah, right. They don't even know what the country was like before. You know. Exactly. Yeah. As I said, the Patriot Act changed all, all, all well, of everything was Everything was invented yesterday. I just found out about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just found out <laughs> The pandemic started in March very, 2019. very upset. <laughs> very upset. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for me, it's very important uh, not to keep feeding the kids uh, in the school, high school, college, sure. this type of behavior because it's dangerous. In the long, in the long, well, in the mid and the long run, and and I was apparently I was uh, as far as uh, I've been told I was the only professor in my department in at UF asking for returning to presential classes in fall. I was the only one because you actually uh, care about your you actually care about the students and doing the job well. You don't care about just getting paid for doing nothing. Exactly, and that's the problem with the online education. It's uh it's better in in few aspects than the presential education, but it's incredibly worst that in comparison with the presidential education because of course the student is not just learning math geography or french language they are learning how to behave in, in groups with people that think differently to them right they have to be challenged by adults that is basically the work uh, well this is why my we opinion never a professor this yeah. is why we never the moderator for back, lack of better we words. have florida virtual school the largest virtual school mm -hmm. in america a lot of students and there's a reason why, at the end of the day, we're going to hold certain, like, um, prejudices against that form of learning. Like, if someone tells me, granted, I'm not big into credentialism, but if someone tries to brag to me about their, their doctrine, they said, yeah, I got it online in three months. I did the same amount of work. You got to believe yeah. it. It's like, no, you did it online. You didn't do, yeah. you did bullshit. So, it's, it's like, doing things online is like believing that you, you go to the gym and that's enough to, and you don't need to show up to the marathon to, to, right, to compete. Right, right, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That, That's basically the online education. It's just an aspect of education. Yeah. And, and I always bring the same example. If you check, uh, like, futuristic literature, science fiction literature, whatever projection of the future literature, there is always an aspect that is not there. I mean, we can have time travel, like uh, uh, cars that fly in the sky, like in Back to the Future 2, et cetera, et cetera. We never have online, online education. Mm. on those futures we have even think about the matrix one of the most extreme example examples of education that you can be downloaded information you still need to prove it yeah with a right. teacher in front of show you show me even in, <laughs> even in a, a virtual <laughs> in a virtual environment if you want but you have to be challenged or the enders game that is also one of the big hits so we're talking about uh, uh, an yes. armada directed by kids that they're going to fight against whatever bugs and they still have a classroom with yeah. kids and a, and a teacher well you're you're et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, yeah, I, and not, not to, to draw a parallel to that, not necessarily a perfect one, but, like, you're seeing it play out right now in, like, certain, like, democratically controlled cities like Portland, Seattle, mm -hmm. Kenosha, Wisconsin, et cetera. You know, you have, like... I love the name Kenosha because it sounds like something straight out of Star Wars. <laughs> the, <laughs> like, you have these kids that are essentially LARPing their online lives, you know, mm -hmm. where they think, like, oh, I'm protesting fascism. They go out there and they try to do stupid shit, like take a rifle. No, out those of the people hand. in Belarus with the smashed heads are protesting fascism. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so like they'll sit there and they'll do something like that, and they'll run into somebody who actually came here to play, and it's like, oh, fuck around and find out, and then eventually, you know, you've got some dead kids who made some really poor decisions because they thought they were well equipped to deal with a circumstance mm -hmm. that they had 
no business being a part of. Yeah. And sorry, not to yeah. hijack your conversation. So, yeah, what I've seen is, uh, so the, the, the big change is not already happening because of the pandemic. It's just uh, uh, turning the volume up to something that was already happening in education. Or you have students that they are afraid and you have professors that they are afraid as well. Yeah. So the, the, the professor is afraid to be fired because could say something that triggered a certain reaction yeah. from the students. And the students are afraid, and that happened to me recently, mm-hmm. are afraid to write something that can offend me. Right. And I don't know to even they're talking about. So yeah. they say, oh, so sorry, maybe I have this bad grade because I said something that offended you. Right, right. As if, as for them, it's normal that if I feel offended, I'm going to give a bad grade to the student. Uh, That's highly they, problematic. But, and yeah. this feeling, though, this has been around for a long time because even like personalities that like consider themselves to be like, you know, the intellectual right wing, like like Ben Shapiro, for example, like he, mm-hmm. I don't know if he talks about it anymore, but like he definitely used to say, he's like, when I was at Harvard, he's like, I would write the essays that I knew my professors wanted to hear. He's like, yeah. everything was, um, you know, like veiled in like mm-hmm. some left wing sensibility mm-hmm. because I knew that if I went against the grain, I was going to be held accountable for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just wanted to get out of there. And it's like, no, 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 but see, that's bad. Like the idea that like even in a higher education institute mm-hmm. with the, the prestige of Harvard, yeah. fucking Harvard, that you have to like control or like demure. This happens at every level of our social, social sociological experience. I mean, people like it's really easy. And again, this actually be a dig against maybe even the right in this case. Like people said, like, you know, why don't why don't where are all the protesters in the in the Middle East fighting for whatever rights that, that we believe that are only exclusive to the west mm-hmm. and i'm like you don't understand what happens you don't understand the social price you pay you think it's bad to get fired or doxxed <laughs> right. for saying the wrong word at a netflix pitch meeting about yeah. fighting racism you know what happens if you say the wrong word about let's say like islamic fascism in an islamic fascist state you just get killed yeah or go to jail for yeah. 20 years and get tortured you know it's not fucking norway so like and so yeah unfortunately while it's very easy to say like i wish people would just i don't blame people like ben shapiro or anyone else for engaging in self-preservation, which is playing by the bullshit rules, which are more or less articulated by the, uh, I would say, the the most extreme forms of whatever aspect of society is running the show. In the American case, it seems to be like the activist regressive left seems to be the one calling the shots. I mean, like Joe Biden, who clearly kind of just did whatever the fuck he wanted and somehow got the nomination. Even he feels the pressure. When they called him out one day, he's, talk, he's there with, with Bernie Sanders and like, okay, one of us is going to get this. Probably going to be me, but who knows. And they go, why are we going to vote for a straight white man? You need to pick a woman of color for, for, your, for your vice president. He goes, I'm taking an oath right now. I'm going to pick yeah. a woman. Someone literally said that. And because he was too afraid to stand up to a random yeller in the crowd yeah or some, some fucking or random journal fucking like uh yeah vox journalist yeah. or something then, then they go yeah and sometimes you're trolling sometimes yeah. you're being trolled too and like <laughs> it's really funny too like vox obviously being the american leftist news organization not the right-wing spanish party yeah. but you can be trolled I, I i could see like a right-wing news organization trolling a leftist candidate with that just to torpedo their campaign by right. forcing them to yeah. take pledges that they shouldn't be taking yeah. instead of saying i'm going to pick the best man for the job or woman yeah <laughs> the best person, <laughs> person for the job he literally said, I'm going to pick a woman of color. And then they go, wait a second, how many women of color are in power that are useful and, and competent for this presidency? Like, oh, shit, we only have like a short list of yeah, three yeah, people and they're all like shit. Like four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're all shit. And it's like, and it's like oops. Yeah. <laughs> four and one is not of your political leaning. No, they can't They can't get out of their own oh. way. It's, it's horrible. I mean, like every time I think Trump's out, the left just shoots itself in the dick. I mean, granted, they could still win because he's, he's so unpopular and this has been like such a, a mixed response from our government as a whole, which people often attribute to the administration as a singular yeah. entity. 
but god damn, I mean, they're just so bad. Yeah, it, it is it, funny, though, because, like, just to dovetail with what I was saying earlier about the these riots and whatnot that are happening, like, you can see that, like, to your point earlier about the, the media narratives kind of, like, crafting mm. what is the, like, I guess the overarching narrative for the American people is, like, you know, Don Lemon was on the other night, and, like, after these kids got killed in Kenosha... Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Lemon's like, he's like, okay, well, you know, it, it's time now to do something about these because it's showing up in the polls, it's showing up in the focus groups that we're losing popularity because we're not doing anything about it. And then, like, clockwork, you have, like, the, the fucking, you know, the mayor of Seattle, the, you know, mayor of Portland, the governor of um, Wisconsin all saying, okay, now we're going to accept federal help to kind of quell these riots because mm-hmm. it's... They're no longer protests. Now they're like protests with some fucking, the me- you know. The messaging is really rioting. Off. The messaging and the optics is really off, too. Like, you know, you watch the DNC and the RNC. DNC does its usual talking points like, you know, Trump, you know, they'll say it's, uh, things as unabashed as like Trump's racist war on black people and people of color or something like that. And it's like, well, what, what policies is he advocating for that's disproportionately like, like, like fucking over minorities? And then you look at the Democratic Party, it's like advocating for wholesale lockdown of the U.S. economy as long as it takes, up to two years, they said. Well, who, if, if you acknowledge that we live in a class-based society, or if you don't want, even if you say we live in an identity-based society, and you say black people are the bottom of the identity, well, then part of the problem being at the bottom of the identity totem pole is that you're poor. Well, making people infinitely poorer by destroying their entire livelihood, yeah. what, what semblance of normality they had in their lives, by removing that, you are disproportionately waging a war on people of color. This, the message is all wrong. And, 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 and when Michelle Obama says this, she says this from a $12 million vacation home in the in, Hamptons. In Martha's Vineyard. In Martha's yeah. Vineyard. <laughs> while they literally, while, while she's wearing like a, a $500 custom necklace that says vote, and I'm not disparaging her for having a $500 necklace. I got a $500 necklace. But I'm not a fucking thought leader or fucking, or, and I'm getting, I'm, nobody, I'm nobody's yeah. fucking wife. I yeah, got to where I'm also not pandering for I got votes. to where I am in life not by sucking dick, but by fucking, well, by, by working that's hard. that's for debate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, the, the point is, and they literally say, like, like, my speech writer wrote this for me. Dude, you don't have any words from your own fucking yeah. cold heart to right. fucking say to the American yeah. people. Yeah, figure it out, man. Like, say what you want about Trump because he's a fucking retard and a crazy, dangerous motherfucker. But he speaks from the heart. Yeah, the problem is his heart. Yeah, it's or the be, cuff. It's, 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 a, gar- it's a garbage can and <laughs> that's on fire. And but it, it's just people really do like track towards authenticity in a world, especially like a world that's become even more curated. You think about like the. Like social media, for example, like the number one place where unfortunately people get their socialization and their news from. That's highly curated. Very few people post like bad things on Facebook. It's very rare for someone to post like, I made a lot of really bad financial decisions this year and now I'm homeless. Nobody does that. Yeah, <laughs> right. But people, I mean, occasionally they do, but it's a rare occurrence. No, people want to do cheap things. They want to post photos of their cat. And they want to post photos of their baby because these are cheap mm-hmm. likes. I mean, one of the things like you know I've gone to is like people are like, oh, you haven't posted any photos of your child on Facebook, and I'm like, there's multiple reasons for that. But I was like, I don't need the cheap adoration. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah And yeah. also, I'm I not here. I didn't have a kid for you guys. I don't. Yeah, I don't need to. It's like if you want to see my daughter, you can come over. We can have steaks and have a nice night together. I, I'm not. My do- I'm not hiding her in a cave. I'm just. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not making like social money off her likeness and yeah. letting to be really extreme like letting pedophiles jerk off to her on the internet but that's not the point the, the <laughs> idea is just like I don't need I don't need to put my daughter out there to have her permanent image sketched uh-huh. into like Facebook's data place Some database, for, yeah. for forever like right. I, she owns I don't own my kid I have I have a strong custody over her but like I'm not gonna make money off her likeness yeah. like in any sense of the word yeah that um, that, that example uh, example that you just mentioned about the people posting in, in social media is what I call 
when I, when I have discussions about fake uh, fake news that it looks like it's funny because um it's like can you imagine somebody saying like oh i think internet is the future it sounds dumb when somebody says that in 2020 but we're still talking about fake news as if that was n something new right uh when it's actually something as invented as in the itself. in the in yeah. the late 19th century yeah is when we start pulitzer and and Hearst, they are the first. Um, yeah, look at Hearst and his his fucking. The minister of propaganda. <laughs> Hearst, <laughs> Hearst and his uh, marijuana wars, uh, just because of the fact that hemp was a much more viable paper product than cotton-based paper. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the essence of, of fake news. It's not that you fabricate uh, a lie; is that you combine different truths to create something that is not exactly true. That's a, that's a, uh, a, my definition of, of fake news. And, and still, people see different media, different newspapers, different platforms as factories of fake news but we arrive to the level that's that's old news the we arrive to the level that the people are their own producers of fake news so so many times uh, you have these examples of people posting things about their lives that is not exactly true that's a fake news too uh or it's a narrative it's yeah. image crafting uh -huh. and, and for to quick side note it's problematic that like i can only speak for the american education system where i was raised in definitively but the first time i was exposed to the word narrative was in third grade when we had to write short stories i was only when i was an adult when i was supposed to narrative in the form of like when you, we create narratives mm -hmm, like we cure mm -hmm. we curate content in a way in order to promote a certain a certain worldview mm -hmm. that could be could or could not be you know mapped out objectively over our reality mm -hmm. and like yeah we're always creating narratives go ahead continue yeah. uh one of my favorite forms of, of narrative actually one of my favorite forms of creating fake news is something that is sta it started to pop up at force like maybe two years ago maybe even last year uh, and you probably saw that uh, because it's, it's way common. Um, people sharing in Facebook, Twitter, etc. Uh, dialogues of people. Okay. A dialogue of, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, a man and a woman discussing about something. And of course, the man is going to appear bad because he said something very, very uh, uh, against the, the woman. Right. But you have to understand that that dialogue never happened. Yeah, of course. So it's it's fake, the yeah. whole thing. And, and then you... The way you share it, you you react enraged because of course it's horrible what they are saying that, but it's 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 fiction. Yeah, you have to right. understand that it's fiction. Right. What's going in the, going on there? Yeah, but you create the, the the narrative that this is how the world works. Right, people saying those horrible. It's things one more example time. of when when exactly. Donald when yeah. Donald Trump disagrees with a man and calls him a fucking loser. No one says he's a misandrist. When he disagrees with a woman and calls her a loser, they go he's sexist. And sexist is a substitution for for mm -hmm. misogyny and, and this is ridiculous and this actually happened to me even in iceland like i disagree with one of my neighbors over the course of a remodel and because i treated her as an equal as that that means with disrespect like a lack of like trying to like to to coddle her coddle, coddle her feelings i was like no i don't have to fucking listen to you this is my fucking house you can go fuck off she goes and then she wrote a, a long chain email to the hoa saying like uh we have a problem with sexism in our building alex neb and i was like like what did i say to you was sexist even if I called you a dumb bitch, that's just a gender-specific fucking insult. I didn't say, <laughs> you're a dumb bitch, all women are dumb bitches, therefore we should abrogate their rights. So I'm not sure what... I'm not advocating for a political social order where, you're, where your rights are abrogated. So you're not... I'm not engaging in anything close to this. But the problem is, like, James Lindsay says this. Like, he just came out with that book, uh, Cynical Studies, that I posted the other day. Shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, no, cynical <laughs> Gotta get him on the podcast. Cynical Theory, sorry. Cynical, cynical Theory, like... Uh, he goes like, you know, something happens to anyone else, it's nothing. So, people interrupt everybody in the course of conversation, as we do right now. 
we're interrupting for a variety of reasons. Sometimes, be, sometimes because we're excited. Sometimes because we have something useful to say. Sometimes because we're constant. Sometimes because we can't control ourselves. Whatever it is. But no one here is going like, oh my god, he's doing that based off my identity. But when you do it to someone who has a, a quote unquote different identity from you, then it becomes a new thing. Like, mm-hmm. like when you interrupt women, you're mansplaining. When well, for lack of an argument, you use an identity. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, that is it. <laughs> so yeah, th- that's basically. And returning a little bit to to what's my life now. I'm teaching online, of course. Uh, I have wonderful students. I'm I'm waiting for the wonderful students I'm going to have in at UF because I'm I'm going to be teaching there as well online, and and I I will have former students of mine, so I know it will be great. But it's not the same thing, yeah, of course. And it's not just the same th- not the same thing for me, right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I'm upset or not about the way on we're teaching now. It's because I know they are not having the 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 better education possible, and I already told that to the, the the head of the department of Spanish department at UF. Told her we are not giving what we can give them. Well, we've we've been fairly critical of everything that's happened based off of the pandemic or pandemic as it were. But do you want to riff for a second on like some of the things that you find that have been more positive as far as like the experience oh, for with the like online, online teaching? Oh yeah, I, I said a moment ago that uh, so it's it's a good tool, but it's not it should be it shouldn't be the substitution for for what's going on. Like, for example, you you have uh, a control of the classroom uh, that usually you don't have when they are presentially there. Uh, so it's difficult to find a student hiding from you because you can always point them because you have the list of names in front of you. Right. It sounds very authoritative, but that's the power that gave you the well, the online media. This is the thing <laughs> about teaching, though, is that, like, you're supposed to bring everybody along. You know, uh-huh. they say, like, it's the ship or the, what is it, the yeah. tide raises all boats or whatever. Uh-huh. It's like yeah. it gives you the opportunity to be the tide. Yeah. You know, so you can say. So so now they, they cannot, yeah, we have these, this powerful tool in right. order to, to avoid uh, absent students. Uh, the other thing is that you can you can do experiments with the classroom in a way, just with a click, in a way that will be like painful for the students to move around or you doing certain things in the class. Right. Uh, so it, it brings positive things. What I would like to see as an, as an outcome of this situation is a combination of the learning process that we went through these months as a, as a, as a instructor using these type of tools that most of the teachers never used before. That's also very important to, to, to understand. There is an untold story of not cla- classes not, not taught because the, the professor, you know, it's old school. So they, they even have problems with the computer as an analogical object. <laughs> no, and I'm not talking about the digital perspective of that. So we can take advantage of this. And also we should be able to combine this with old-fashioned ways of teaching, like going out the classroom, going to the, re- recovering the store. We, we have to recover the store in the sense of having students in an open field, going around to the city, going to the places. Instead of saying, we have to do a very controlled experiment uh, about mm, talking to uh, some worker in a bakery about what it means to be a baker. No, the professor should go there as well. Uh, not having this type of control exercises. I don't know if we're going to learn that, but I would love to see that as a as an outcome of this of this situation. So of course it's going to have positive um, elements. For me, one of the positive elements should be the the cleaning of professors that they are not capable of teaching. Basically. I don't see any of that happening. Well, I know that, that may be. It, it's a projection. The projection. Yeah. Uh, so the pe- professors that they were just absolutely outdated already, but they were able to just trick the system because right. they were not. I'm going to say it like painfully the the situation. There are teachers that they are learning now that they have to teach. 
and they forgot how to teach maybe right. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, this is like, I mean, just like unions, like whether they're teachers unions or police unions or whatever, they protect individuals who don't necessarily want to be there to perform the roles that they're hired to do, that they're paid to do. So like, you know, you have these these teachers that are like that basically phoned it in for 20 years, like tenure uh-huh. in the professor field, phoned you know, whatever. No, seriously. Uh-huh. And so like now all of a sudden, like the chickens have come home to roost. Let's see yeah. what you can actually fucking do in this. Field. The reason I disagree with what you said wasn't because well, it's not just because I'm a cynical asshole. It's because it's like if I said something like, you know, what's great about this whole fuck up is that people are going to wake up and realize, wow, there are plenty of things the government can't do. I don't think that's what people are going to think. People are going to say, people are just going to double down and say the government, if only it had tried harder, could have accomplished these goals. I feel like, hmm. it, like if, if the 20th century didn't kill, I would, I would say to be like misapplications of socialism, which even that word is problematic, misapplication, but like, if, if the 20th century couldn't cure, rid the world, word of, the world of, of like, I would say like misappropriations of like Marxist theory, there's no way that like a two-year pandemic is going to make people like, mm-hmm. wow, I guess the government can't order my life for me. I guess I'm going to have to just yeah. take care of myself. So when you say like, oh, you know what's great about this? It's going to make us realize like all these shitty teachers are going to get clipped. Not a chance. No, I, I, th- no, I no, said no, it could be an outcome. There's, a, there's, be, there's a, of a course, that's one, one outcome. Yeah. yeah, right. But there's also like a trickle-down effect where like, again, I mean, I, we can have a different debate about trickle-down economics, but like as far as like actualization like there may be some circumstance where like you have several students that go through this system realize they're getting nothing out of this online education because their instructors are bullshit and don't know how to utilize the tools that they're at their disposal and they may tell their younger siblings like oh hey by the way i'm now a hundred thousand dollars in debt wasn't able to do anything with it maybe you should get a tradesman's certification that as part to- that part is plausible right I mean, so I- this is what i'm saying is that yeah. like it's it's small victories it's not necessarily that all of a sudden it's going to turn the entire fucking but think about the greater think about the greater loss though you're right about the small victory i totally agree with that i'm gonna tell my kids obviously not to go to school unless they're serious about becoming a doctor right. or engineer uh, or let's say or, or, the, or there's enough money lying around they want to go do something fun like and bullshit their lives with linguistics like, like I did <laughs> but let's just be clear let's pretend you tell your daughter that and you raise her to be smarter and now she knows that education is bullshit or something like that as it's currently constructed in the United States so she doesn't go but all the all the other gatekeepers do and she's not going to be an academic and she's not going to be a student in that type so like it's creating a more of a the problem, the problem with education is that it has become a bubble because more and more right, it's I would say reasonable people are, are self- or self-excluding themselves. They're like, I don't want to be part of this machine. Right. And we're creating parallel society. Yeah, but see, that doesn't that's that's okay, though, because what really matters is not necessarily the sheet of paper that you have that says that you went through this entire uh-huh. bullshit gauntlet. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the wealth and power you accumulate along the way of whatever it is that you choose to do. So whether or not you have this, like, air of intellectualism or, you know, whatever, it's just the fact that you have money and you can tell people to fuck off no, right? You're right. You have fuck you you're money. You're right. I was I was or, confusing like scopes because like you're right for like people individuals. You're absolutely right. The massive victory. Right. And so but that's for, what I'm saying. For so social like, groups, no. I that's think, okay. I don't give a shit about social groups. We're talking about like well, people we say we, we care don't, about. but then they get the, in charge. The example We're that ruled you, by you collective. hold on. But the example mm-hmm. that you use though is what would I tell my daughter or how would I feel if this was the eventuality? And the eventuality is. I know she's a competent individual and that she's smart and that she will accomplish whatever it is that she wants to accomplish with hard work. And so at that point in time, she'll be able to give the middle finger to anybody who says she should do something otherwise. So, oh, you made a mistake. You didn't do this. Be like, okay, here, here, flip my fries. I I wasn't referencing that. I wasn't referencing that. I hope she can flip everybody's dick. But like, but the point is like, what I'm saying is 
at the end of the day, it's easy in individual society. It's not to, gonna. Okay. It's not gonna overthrow the power structure well, unless that, there's a big enough movement to do so. I, I hope there's... Look, Maybe like we I need said, five years of pandemic. Like, like I said, I'm hoping... I'm <laughs> yeah, hoping, I'm yeah some people have their fucking no, way. 15, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Hoping, I'm hoping for... Uh, again, like, because I think we are creating this bifurcated society where like now we're doing things like companies are creating their own schools to train their own workforce mm-hmm. because they can't rely on immigration because of the political right. issue and they can't rely on the domestic talent because of the, of the, the schooling issue. So they're creating their own talent. I see that. I understand that we're also like creating like there's a renaissance of entrepreneurship in the last 20 years because people are realizing that school is bullshit and that's no guarantee of success. And and now you, people people are just gonna further be like, well, what, am I gonna pay a hundred thousand dollars to go to UF and learn from Francesc online, not Spanish? Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, no, I mean this is this is ridiculous. I mean yeah. it's it's a privilege. It's it's I mean actually we know it's a privilege because he's some of his students at UNF for example versus UF which is a very different ec- uh, academic environment. Ain't that he's, the like, truth? he's like oh I got like a fifty five year old non degree seeking student. I have a f- I have people in my class older than me. They're just here to learn, yeah. and that's ideally what the university should be for. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. At, yeah, that, mm-hmm. my boss told me that seventy percent of the students at UNF they are below the level of poverty. Yeah. Sure. Seventy percent. Which. Yeah. I have a whole another set of arguments about like which could be like you know federally guaranteed student loans et cetera et cetera. Oh, yeah. So, but that's another thing as well. Yeah. So my, my students in the, the class I just taught, taught we we have this Zoom meeting, and and they they told me like very scared. Uh, we have a problem about academic proof. So what do you mean academic proof? So no, there is something that you have to give us a, a before August thirtieth. You have to give us a, a already like some academic assignment to do. Well, you already have assignments to do this Saturday. Are you are you are you attending this class, uh, Stacy? And and they say, no, no, no. L- listen, <laughs> listen, Professor Morales, you don't understand. It's like if you don't do that, we lose our our federal blah 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 right. funding. They started to throw to me those names that mean yeah. not much to me. And, <laughs> and I said, I, I, I still don't understand. It's like, the no. magisterium <laughs> is there is something that you have. We have to prove that we are enrolling a class. I said, so the enrollment is not enough. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, yes, because of the scholarship funding, federal things. Ugh. So that plays a significant role. But I mean, just generally speaking, though, I mean, to get back on track with your um, the benefits that you've seen to the the online learning environment. <clears throat> also, mm-hmm. I think you had mentioned something the other day when we were just chatting about how you can create engagement with students that wouldn't otherwise want to be yeah. engaging. And I thought that was very interesting. So, mm-hmm. do you want to just riff on that for a second? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think I'll, I just said it. The the for the students, maybe it's a cultural thing. We we have been trained to to be able to hide uh, in in classrooms, and and it's easy to have more connection with certain students in a in a like flesh and blood classroom. So now in an online, basically in a social media environment, everybody is pointed to do something, so they cannot hide as easy yeah uh but as i said that counts also for the professor because the professors they are most of the for me it was a shock when i arrived to this country and i and i see and i saw how many times the professor is doing nothing in the classroom yeah so uh for example what what we call usually a master class or a lecturer type mm-hmm. of session right. as a bad thing for me that's highly problematic because if the professor is not there to teach or to guide right. uh, to, he has to do something uh, and most of, more than more than fifty percent of the time, the professors I've seen they, they do nothing, literally nothing right, in right. the classroom for yeah. an entire hour. So they literally work like twenty thirty minutes. Of course, we have a ton of work to do before that class, 
maybe. Uh, but, <laughs> during the, but during the, the, the class, right. it's important the professor has to be... I, I ended exhausted after one class, and I can tell when a professor is not doing their job because they are as, as okay when yeah. they finish their, their classes. So nobody can hide from the, these online learning situations right now. Well, I, get, I guess, though, more specifically what I was asking is as far mm. as like what we were talking about uh, in terms of like the benefits of anonymity that this environment provides where like you were saying that some students that would not necessarily be the ones who would want to ask the question mm -hmm. they have the ability to do so in a very like kind of clandestine oh, way yeah, yeah. where they can say like oh yeah, exactly. you know hey i'm not necessarily picking up on this can, now you, remember, can yeah. you speak about this a little bit yeah we have ways now through like chats private room sessions that they can ask me questions and they they don't need to go through the I don't know right the, it's not necessarily like a, a Socratic <laughs> method type of thing where you have yes. to like put your dumb idea out there and then get yeah. slaughtered for it exactly <laughs> although I do that in class <laughs> that's how you learn yeah although I do it in class I'm very like Socratic and and not just because I'm saying some of my students in the evaluation say that Professor Morales uses Socratic methods in class they sometimes confuse that with being aggressive in class right uh, that that's a problem if they confuse because they, they believe that is a, is, a, is a thing of feeling is what I'm right right what so I'm this doing. is what I'm saying is like the um, benefit yeah so so now they have the benefit to be more safe if you want because they can ask me right. questions and uh, could be hide from the rest of the class yeah we've already um, created an environment yeah. where they're already like very like fluffy you know like we have to like nerf all the corners and everything so like now that takes that like feeling part out of it where they can mm. say hey let me ask my stupid what I perceive exactly. to be a stupid question exactly. and they don't have to be yeah. you know. There like are no stupid questions, only stupid students. <laughs> <laughs> where they ha where they have to be like essentially exposed in front yeah. of the rest of their classmates. It's not a raised hand, it's yeah. a subtle chat message where they can say, "Okay, hey, can you expound upon this point a little bit because I'm not exactly. really getting it?" And like that yeah. that is like of a significant benefit. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a benefit yeah. as well. Uh for sure, but but uh, as I said, that that's just uh, something that could be added to a regular class if someday we return to regular sure, classes. Sure. Yo, I just meant as far as, like, mm -hmm. I just wanted you to talk about that so that we oh, could yeah, yeah. actually, like, get so it from your perspective. The, the, shyest, the shyest students, they have, they have uh, like, a, I don't know, some, like, a break, let's say that. Right. And I've seen right. the students having huge problems in class, being, like, all nervous because they have to answer a very simple question and they don't know exactly what to do with their lives. Right. Uh, that's, <laughs> uh, uh, so they believe that it's a life-death situation. So yeah. in, in a, have, in have a basically a Zoom session, they are fine with that. Right. The video I, game. I want to go. Off. <laughs> That's right. So again, the, the it's if they die in Zoom, right. they are live. Uh, All in they the have next to do. Session, yeah, so you're that, you're that. giving them an extension yeah. by which they can LARP and <laughs> then not be responsible for. I it. I want to go on brand. Have you ever? Because this actually happened a couple times in my teaching career, as short as it was. Have you ever called a student who had other things going on in their life, and you called them with the most innocuous question, and they just broke down and cried and left the room? Like, like, can you can you rephrase it again? Like, so have you ever had someone like you ask them what is ostensibly an innocuous question, a regular basic question? has nothing to do with them or their identity. It's just a question to see if they know what the fuck's going on. And then because they're just so broken inside from like whatever the fuck's going on in their head, they just cry and leave the room. Yeah, well, <laughs> except the part of cry and leave the room, the the first thing you said is basically what I do when, when I'm teaching. You see and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm yeah, just, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, right. You. So I, yeah. I remember right now I'm thinking in a class that I taught years ago, it was, a, it was an introduction to humanities, and I was... Um, I was asking the students why they are taking the, the measure that, that they are taking. I don't know! Because <laughs> <And they laughs> my parents said yeah, so! Exactly. One, yeah. one exa she just broke down and she started to talk about that her father or something like brought uh, the ruler. She was going piano at the age of four. <laughs> and, and then she was like trying to elaborate something and some of the students started to talk to me about 
that thing, like interrupting the, that student. Ooh. I said, calm down, Michael. We are still living uh, with the daddy issues of the Stacy right now here. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> before, next we're going to go that? with you. Yeah, I said that. Ooh. Yeah, but I said, you get fired for that. But <laughs> I, I really told you several times, this is a normal class for me, yeah. saying those things. That's what I said. I'm, I'm sometimes very. Did like, you talk about aggressive. the professors you had when you were younger who would like who would like? Yeah, of course. Like, oh, yeah, useful. right. Like they, they they would they would speak as normal people do. They would they would cut through the conversation with like point pointed remarks. Yeah, and and, and they wouldn't let you get off the hook. You know. Yeah, that's so basically I'm applying what my professors taught me. Yeah, well, this uh, is a post secondary education. You're supposed to be able to like take some fucking. Oh, that's arrows, the other thing as well. You know. Yeah. Like it's not supposed to be like, okay, what do you think, little Jimmy? Is yeah. it A, B, C, or D? It's like, no, 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 no. What made you go to B first? You know, like yeah. what, what, <laughs> who damaged you? Yeah. So, I, I think it was the same class as well. I had the student that she was obviously from an Asian origin, South Korea, oh, Japan, or something it. like that. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> what? My my bigotry. Oh, you're B student? Uh, Why not A? My so came through. you come back when you doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about uh, uh, still that that topic, and and then I I asked her if she watched the last version of um, Ghost in the Shell with uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, she was yes, and some of the class already because it was around that time that the, the movie was released, and I said, okay, what's what happened at the end of the film? Because the film is basically action, 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 and seeing Scarlett Johansson naked several times more than in the in the comic book, by the Good. way. And Perfect. I said, but what, what <laughs> the happened the at the intended. end? Uh, that's a question for you. What happened at the end? I don't know if you watched the movie. Sorry. You didn't watch the movie. You no, because it's okay. So at the, end, <laughs> at the end, you, you discover that the, the brain that the Scarlett Johansson body has is from another person that is obviously Asian, more Asian than Scarlett Johansson is. And Wait, she's not Asian? And then <laughs> she, she reunites with the mother of that previous woman that she has still the, the brain or the spirit or whatever. And and then she come back after like killing I don't know how many people, discovering a government plot, cybernetic things, and then she returned to take care of his, her mother, of course because that's what an Asian woman should do, and <laughs> and that's the message at the end of the film. So right. I, I when I told that to the student, the student told me and the rest of the class exactly that's what I have been told as an Asian to do in the future. It doesn't matter what I'm studying right now. Yeah, yeah. So that was a powerful moment for me. Um, and that's what I believe is the it's the role of the of the of the um, of the professors to break the students and build something new out right. of what of they course. are doing yeah, that in the classroom. It doesn't matter if it's geography or it's a uh, Spanish language or math. And Joe Rogan has and of course it, it works better when you can have like a body language there, but you can do that in Zoom as well. Uh, yeah. Like yesterday or two days ago, I had a class about what it means to be Latino Hispanic in 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 the administration forms that you you have here. I brought my own experience. And, and they realize that it's just an administration issue. So the Zoom or not Zoom class didn't matter in that situation. Um, and probably I had more comments because it was a Zoom class instead of being like quiet because we're talking about racism right now. Uh, so I, I will say that it didn't matter for that particular topic, uh, but it was definitely more exhaustive for me. Yeah, oh, uh, for sure. Teaching I mean, in a Zoom class. Yeah. And Hey, yeah. listen... You're there to earn a salary, bro. <laughs> can't always be easy. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah for me. It's, it's very important. It's a profession. It's it's not like I'm not doing that thing for fun. Yeah, that definitely. Uh, it's a shame we have to explain the basics even to our own students. Though sometimes, like you know, I'm not like because I've had the, I've heard the opposite from like horrible teachers. Like I'm not here to teach you. I'm here to get paid. Like if you want to learn, go at like like where it's much more to the point where you say like um. You know, I'm not earning my money unless I'm making you feel uncomfortable. I'm not earning 
hmm. my paycheck unless I'm challenging you deeply and you yeah. are learning things and you are changing as a person. As opposed to like some of the worst professors, like you've referenced other professors like at the UF who say like, oh, I'm here to create activists or I'm here to get paid. Mm-hmm. Like they've mm-hmm. completely checked out or they're like, or they mm-hmm. bought into revolution of the wrong sort. I did make cry uh, a student. Good. Uh, <laughs> what I remember right now, it, it was the last day of class in that humanities introduction class. And I was telling them, uh, I was asking them what it meant for them that class. And then I tell them, <laughs> I told them what it meant for me that class. Uh, because it was very, very important, that 2017, fall 2017 class, uh, for many reasons. And and one student in front of me started to do, are you going to make you cry or something? <laughs> <laughs> this class saved but my she, life. But she didn't, she didn't I, I said that. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I said that, you were there. Professor Morales, <laughs> you saved me. No, Stacey. You, you saved me. me. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, Oscar. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Curtain close. <laughs> Everybody goes out but for a But she didn't run By away. Way, we need the plug because I know you have a loyal army of like servants. I need you to tell your students that if you want to see me in action, you need to watch this podcast to see me. <laughs> I already did. Okay. <laughs> I already, we'll shared, I already <laughs> shared some of the videos. I'm, though. Sure. I'm sharing on your profile. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And that's the thing. I have students that they are uh, extremely feminist. I have students that they believe that the white man is, is wrong just for showing up. And I have students that <laughs> the, they believe that... Uh, uh, every, everybody is wrong they are the only ones that are right because uh, I love Ben Shapiro blah blah so I have a students with a high variety and the, a successful professor it's a professor that is able to manage those differences in the classroom and going forward with all of them to right. one direction yeah, learning math or learning geography or Spanish yeah, language yeah. it doesn't matter right. uh, you I, have to wear many one, one of the if, if I, I, I don't want to be, to be humble with that one of the main uh, I would say skills I have as a professor is the ability to connect the students that they are very different. I, I'm not saying that they have to be friends in the class, but they, they can be in the class without, yeah, you know, making the other extremely upset. Yeah, the building other, bridges. The other hmm. You know. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's important to provide that type of context because oh, like, no, people think, think it's always like it's it's got to be one way or the other. It's like all good or all bad. And obviously there's some negatives, but there's definitely some positives. Well, too, so. I'm going to tell you what I tell my students. Being an adult is not doing the right thing. It's understanding that you have far, far five, six things on the, on the table and they are all bad. But you have to choose one. Yeah, yeah. What's the least well, worst good, option? That's good. No, no, it's, it's, it's even worse. You don't know which one. So right. they are <laughs> equally bad. And, but you have to choose one. No, that's that's good because they grow up in and, a, in and, a multiple and choice going. world where one is correct and you should yeah. be almost able to tell just from right. the other choices which one is the correct. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's well well said. Hmm. And, and of course, we have a student that we believe that the students are spoiled. And that's true mm-hmm. to a certain uh, extent. And but then when you have this connection, when you treat as an adult the student, they start to open to you. Usually in office hours because they, they they don't say private things in front of strangers. Which is why the Zoom <laughs> is great. They okay. open and, open and the Zoom is, is very is very good for that uh, because they don't need to even walk to the office. So it's like very easy to have office hours with them through Zoom. Yeah, it's like flow of consciousness. I, for um, the record, yeah. I think office hours, some of them, you could tell students even in the future where things are normal again. Yeah, there should be. A, you can a come Zoom. to my office, or you can just. Yeah, FaceTime me. They should be they should be Zoom because they they don't want to walk to the office for having office hours. It's like yeah, why very, would very I inconvenience obviously. myself? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they start to be open to to you to say things like yeah, my father was in jail, uh, and we were talking about that in <laughs> class, and I didn't want to say anything because I know that I'm the only one with a drug problem, and then I start to have a talk about my problems. They they started to feel so like lucky. About my drug <laughs> problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they start to feel lucky. I'm life. addicted <laughs> to your problems. Let's yeah, go, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and because I, I'm not afraid to to, to uh, um, we have this, this concept you will be <laughs> we have this concept of 
experiential <laughs> learning and, and things like this in, in high grade education, what it's learned is because the experiential learning is made by professors that they don't have experiences in life. Yeah. Because they are basically rich people, from yeah. my perspective. Generally and, speaking, and, yeah. And you have to they, be able to afford to go into academia. Yeah, and then what, what they are doing will teach them. What they already learn in a textbook? No, I mean, uh, I, I bring some kind of like authentic experiences about what it means to to have problems right. in, in life. And most of them, as I said, several of the students, they have problems as well, but, but they hide. Yeah, they hide of course. Right. They cannot hide in Zoom. Image crafting. The idea that they don't want to be perceived weak yeah. amongst their fellow. Oh, yeah. Or any other negative quality. Right. So, hmm. yeah. No, it's awesome. I mean, honestly, like like you were saying, like I don't think that Zoom can stand alone on its own mm-hmm. as far as like a like a teaching style, but like definitely the combination of like, you know, mm-hmm. having in-person classes and then supplementing it with like the, the Zoom meetings, which ideally wouldn't inconvenience in, in, inconvenience you as much mm-hmm. but still have that face-to-face time with like the the students yeah. it's far more productive than having some fucking graduate assistant you know hosting office hours or mm-hmm. or doing like a, some sort of supplemental learning on like a friday at 8 a.m where every mm-hmm. fucking student who comes in is hungover they don't know this guy from adam they're not going to share he went to college he knows that thursday night is college night everybody's hungover look at this guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, it, it just totally makes sense to me that there should be some sort of, like, you know, reasonable, like, mm-hmm. balance of, of these two philosophies. Yeah, it's another tool that, hilariously, uh, we never took it seriously. Right, right, exactly. But <laughs> or now or it was for to... 100% online university. I'm right. okay with blended learning or blending instruction. It's just, yeah. I feel like a lot of people get paid just to, like, promote one yeah. singular idea. We go to these conferences and we've seen it. I mean, yeah. Actually, at US, they, they, they are being paid extra if they create a classroom Yeah, tell me online. about that, please. I don't think he knows this. So what happened is at UF, you, the, the pro, as I said, they, start, they said, oh, Summer B is going to be presential. That, no. Fall is going to be like presential again. No. But yes, at the same time. So officially, the campus is going to be open uh, next week. And, and then each department, each unit was deciding if open 100% or not. Okay. And, and some departments, departments decided that not. And then... Um, I think it was a problem. Somebody said, "Okay, if you you choose to to do that, uh, so you want to teach online, you'll have extra. I don't know how many thousand dollars for mm-hmm. each class that you create. That's cute. So mm. you're yeah. Prom- yeah, right. Exactly. You're promoting that you yeah, you don't want incentives. to. And and of course, I was the only. Actually, they made fun of me when I when they realized that I was the only one right. asking for no. Why we not take to, the extra? We need money? to bring the students again. Right. Uh, I said, "Oh, you were the only one." <laughs> That's, it's just wild. That came man. out to a, that came out uh, in a in a in a faculty meeting that you were the only one asking for a yeah, presidential class. It, <laughs> that was the, hilarious. The video we watched the other day where the, they show like a, the, on um, oh my god, whatever the fuck the fake news show with Trevor Noah. Fucking where they go like the Daily Show. Yeah, uh, the, the Daily, Daily show. show, and they do the one with like oh yeah, the <laughs> he's progressive, and then they show a video of it, like Elizabeth Warren has proposed a wealth tax. <laughs> that's Joe Biden laughing he just Joe Biden just like laughs yeah. and again I think wealth taxes are stupid but the fact that his response wasn't wealth taxes don't work here's the yeah. data they didn't work anywhere they've ever been tried no his his response was to not engage and to just laugh yeah right and oh. I was like oh my god well at least he's learning Everybody's I mean above the inf- he's been he's been coached for so long by Hillary Clinton at least he's like trying to like at this point uptake something because I mean that's what she would do any uncomfortable question she would just laugh her way out of it yeah then no substantive, uh, substantive answers the same thing that Kamala Harris does now so, if we're done with education, let's yeah, move no, on. Done, and let's yeah, let's just fucking. I'm never done, but yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, for the, for the time <laughs> being, life is a learning. Yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I find learning and stuff. Um, 
So let's pivot. Well. So I just mentioned Kamala Harris. Yeah, I was going to say, let's go with that. So, so the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're lucky she's not fat, or you would have just been fired again. I, I, was, <laughs> I was mentioning because of the animals that you associate with political parties. Here. Hey, wait, oh, wait. would she be a jackass in the room? Yeah. Elephants for the Republicans. Oh, really? You oh. know what the one for the Libertarian is? <laughs> libertarian? No. It's the, um, with the spikes or whatever. It has the, the fucking yeah, but the porcupine. The yeah, porcupine. Hedgehog? That's yeah. it. I'm like, I couldn't think of the, the word hedgehog? where I'm like, armadillo. <laughs> That's not right. So the hedgehog or? It, no, it's not a hedgehog. It's bigger than that. Hedgehog is small. The porcupine is the bigger one with massive mm. quills. Yeah. Oh, erizo, puercospin in Spanish. What they is are it? two different. Erizo is hedgehog. Puercospin is like the peak spine, something. Oh. Uh, pork spine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bad with animals. And they are spash. bigger. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say fucking porcupine's bad. Porcupine's the yeah, one porco, that looks porcospin. like a. Porcospin. Porcospin. Okay. Yeah. Porcupine. So it does looked, have the pig in it. It looks mm-hmm. like one of those like small dinosaurs, the ones that had like the the rock for the mm-hmm. tail that would like head. Yeah, but you. much smaller. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It doesn't. And have it fucking shape. yeah, and then it would just have spines all over it. So the Libertarian Party is that animal? Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense because it's like don't tread on me kind of shit. You know? Yeah, yeah don't, don't, ha- don't hug me. Don't hug your dog. <laughs> me. I cannot be loved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no quarter. Um, okay, so. Well, I think she's. A, well, like, I'll just start off. I mean, I think she's a bad choice. Uh, regard- Hold on, let's get background. So obviously, we haven't gotten together since I think March. Joe no, Biden. Wait, yeah, Joe Biden was the nominee after our last like get together. Yeah. Right. So like, um, then at that at some point, as you mentioned earlier, he backed himself into a corner where he was like, "All right, well, here's the guy who's like not necessarily going to like enthuse any." particular segment of the democratic party because the, the part of the democratic a, party that loves identity he's an old rich white guy who you know doesn't necessarily hold any progressive ideas like close to the chest doesn't really want to consider it he is who he is like he's you know leopards don't change their spots and um some somebody trolled him into eventually saying that he was going to uh nominate um a woman of color in order to check the identity boxes because he knew he couldn't win otherwise. So he has a basket, and by a basket I mean like For three... the record, I think he could have won without... I think he would have a stronger chance of winning had he... Con- if, the, if the party co- if the primary coalesced along, let's say, like a, a centrist like Biden, whatever the fuck he says, mm-hmm. his historical votes, had he just taken Pete... I thought Pete Buttigieg was going to be the VP nominee until, until that happened. I was blindsided because remember at the fucking... When Pete Buttigieg... And um, <clears throat> that woman from the Midwest, whatever, Klobuchar. Klobuchar. When they both like, because like Biden was on the ropes, he lost a few important primaries in a row. They're like, okay, we're splitting oh, yeah. the vote, and he got smashed by Kamala early. Yeah, we're like, we're, we're splitting the vote. We need to all align off, off Joe Biden right now. And they did that. The establishment mm-hmm. and, and the center. I would say the most more reasonable people in the party did sure. that, yep. and it was good strategy. And then Joe Biden put his arm around Pete Buttigieg. He goes, "Believe me, this isn't the last time you're seeing Pete Buttigieg. We're gonna get to the White House together." I was like. Holy shit. Yeah, if that's like, not a fucking wink and a nod. And I was like, that's huge. I'm like, good job, Joe Biden. Yeah. You're going to be a one-term president. You're going to have the, this young guy who's also centrist, but a little more progressive than you on, on the ticket. This is smart. This could win. Even I, as a libertarian, would have probably voted for that ticket because I'm like, well, Joe Biden might die. Even if he doesn't die, people will be next in line for the throne, whatever the fuck. But no. And then, then when he got back in that corner during that interview, he's like... Yes, I'm going to nominate a woman of color and... Like I said, there's like a basket of them or a binder. No, Uh, there's like three of them. Right. So it's like it it, it turned out to be between Susan Rice, who has never met a foreign policy decision. She hasn't fucked up uh, some other random bitch, Karen Bass, who I've never really heard of, but she's terrible. She has like no legs, no bona fides to speak of. And then it was uh, Kamala Harris. Wasn't he also considering the one when he because he backed himself in the corner. He's like, it has to be someone 
Without legs, no. Someone who's like a victim, and like, um, there's that that uh, yeah, but I, Hawaii. I, I forget her. I forget her name. Um, uh, Look, when Joe Biden needs a friend of I color, he somewhere. always goes to Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but in any case, yeah. So she, so he, he, he backs himself in this corner, right? And uh, you know they're scrambling. They're trying to figure out which is like the worst of the three evils. Uh, and then he settles on Kamala Harris, which is like the worst situation that you could possibly imagine for somebody who is, again, a rich old white man who needs to desperately appeal to the progressive and wing of the party. And why pick someone who washed out in December? Say like, again? Why would pick someone who like did such a horrible job campaigning? Clearly right, she was exactly. Couldn't do better than the next eight candidates, right? So like... It, it just well be- put. yeah. So it became one of those situations where it was just like, all right, well, this is the best worst case, uh, case scenario. She obviously has the backing of the party itself. They believe in her for whatever reason. But it also became a situation where there was two, like, heavy-handed, centrist, pro law and order candidates on a ticket. One of which just happens to check a couple identity boxes. And here we are now in present tense. You see the thing where they, they drudge up all the old like WAPO articles and they say like when Kamala Harris became what like a senator, like the first Indian American senator or some shit like that. And then the first female Indian American senator. And then now that she's the VP, like the first uh, uh, black or African-American. Right, right. Ba- uh, I was going to say color. Multi- multiracial, multiracial. They didn't they st- use multiracial. They said black. Well, well, no, no, no. So I'm saying once she became the VP candidate, it became biracial, multiracial kind of thing. Really? It was they never no called, they never oh, yeah, called, no, no. They it wasn't Obama biracial or multiracial. They called well, him black. Right, because that would appeal. That would that pulled high with the, uh, you know, whatever crowd at the time. But, like, for her, it had to be one of those things where it's like, oh, we can't just necessarily say she's the first uh, black candidate, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. It yeah. had to be the first. Oh, it has to be something new. Yeah, of course. Right. It has, we need the new, the new new. Well, that's what they said, black woman, I thought, but yeah. So that's why they, but again, I mean, maybe it didn't pull high enough. So they were like, okay, well, she's also, she's Indian, she's black, she's a woman. So, I mean, right there, you're like, you're three strikes, that's it, right? Isn't that, that you're out. Mm-hmm. So, or you're anyway, in. right, you're in. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it really became kind of a clusterfuck, because right off the bat, like, you have this situation where nobody really appreciates her policies and she's got a bet she's got a lot of skeletons in her closet too and right. also she has no instincts like um <clears throat> she uh she called biden a fucking racist and now yeah. she's running to him running with him and pretending like she never said that then right. she um she was smoking weed on that one like popular uh black podcast and she, she wasn't smoking weed but she no, talked so, about so, 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 sorry, sorry. Right. sorry she was talking about like how she's like yeah i smoke weed but she was making stuff that was like oh, i was listening to tupac like five years before his album yeah. dropped and then she, and i was laughing about at the same time, how many people she put in jail for the same fucking thing? Right, and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, like her 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 bona fides are that she was known almost exclusively for imprisoning poor minorities in her districts, whether it was her time as prosecutor in San Francisco or as her time as AG. Uh-huh. It was just, I mean, literally an arm's length long huh. um, transcript of. The various times that she took away people's rights in the sense that she would suppress evidence that would exonerate them. Uh, she said that we can't um, create legislation that would um, free nonviolent drug offenders because we needed inmates to fight wildfires in California for, you know, $2 a day. This is the problem when you have, um, like, a slave slavery in modern-day America because of the 13th and 14th Amendment. Right. And she... What else did she do? She uh, she also um, 
God, there's like one other really bad. Oh, like there was a there was a trial where, um, as a prosecutor, she withheld evidence that would have kept a man off of death row, and all of these things though in her past, she'll laugh them off. They'll ask her. Usually, like right-leaning outlets will ask her about her her time as either AG or DA, and she'll just be like, "Ha ha ha!" She follows the Hillary Clinton playbook, like I was saying, like, "Oh, you know, well, all I want to do is I want to make sure that we have the future for our minorities that they deserve." And it's like, "Well, do you want to address all of these like inconsistencies mm-hmm. in your past as far as enforcement?" No, you don't understand, Andrew. I, I had mean, to, I had she, to break the system in order to fix it. She also mm-hmm. like, you know, she was the one who was creating policies that would incarcerate mm. parents like single parents of students that would have no other way to get to school you know so they were truant and uh she would be like oh yeah no we're gonna imprison their parents if they can't get them to school on time which is like i mean if ever there was a tyrant in sheep's clothes like that's who she is hmm. and so i mean and again like the polling showed that nobody was really in favor of her nomination because um, I think at the time Biden was polling something like plus 14 against Donald Trump, just head to head. And then as soon as she was nominated, that slipped to like plus four. So like a 10 point margin. Hmm. Um, and then now because of all the shit that's going on, like the the riots and this, that and the other, it's now within the margin of error, like nationally. And that if that doesn't show you how lost that the democratic party is as far as like trying to play this like hierarchy, this game of intersectional like mm-hmm. victimhood. Like, I, I don't know what does it for you. Well, I hope they lose and then they'll learn that lesson that they've supposedly learned in 2016. So we'll see fat fucking chance. Just like the, you know, telling the truth and whatever. Uh, and people can see this. Like, for example, my mom is a, she's been a housewife and now a divorcee for a long time, but she was an educated. She has a master's degree. She's a pharmacist. She's very educated. She's been a lifelong Democrat, voted Democrat her entire life. And we were at breakfast with them the other day. My mom, my brother Jonathan, and my brother Steve, which is great because it's a real like slice of part of American society. My brother Jonathan is a convicted felon. Um, he joined like a, a white nationalist group when he was in jail, as everyone does. If you know, because that's what you, you want to get buff fucked. <laughs> then you have my brother Stephen, who's a doctor, and I consider to be the smartest person I know, and I, personally very liberal person, like in the classical sense, like doesn't care what anybody does i mean this guy's a vegan you know yeah. let's put it that way and like we also i remember vegan. when he was a fruitarian we, so, we associate vegans for example in america for, for for a variety of reasons with like leftism but it doesn't have to be that way at all you could, and yeah then, he didn't tell anybody about it yeah and then, <laughs> and, then, and then you have my mom you know educated managerial class like uh like lifelong democrat she was a huge hillary supporter things like that jonathan of course was already on the trump train before trump even arrived he's like oh finally somebody's telling it like it is yeah he's like and then then you have my brother Steven, who's like, is like, is like even before this pandemic, you know, these these policies were problematic. You know, these people people who don't know anything about healthcare want to regulate and legislate it. That's a fucking disaster for patients. And then now he goes and with the, with the result to the to the to the pandemic, he goes, he goes, no, I, I can't. St- this is crazy. Like how they're trying to like uh, to regulate our lives. He's gonna vote for Trump, and then you have my mom who said like, "I don't like what the Democrats are dishing up." You go, "This is this is crap. I don't want to vote for these people." Dude, I can't even tell. She's like, you. I'm voting for Trump because he's the devil. I know. I, I have no idea what these people. And this is why up. incumbents have a fucking 87 percent reelection rate. I yeah. mean, like, it, it's just unbelievable. And look, I'm not telling you that they're wrong for doing it. And I, I honestly, you can most likely barring some ridiculous fucking change, and I'll go on record as saying it. Like, I'm one of them too because. 
I, there's no part of me that wants any part of the Biden Kamala ticket because because there's Kamala, been a mostly. number there's a number of thing pieces already that like have very like very very dangerous headlines and whether or not this is like something that's manufactured that is just meant to stoke fear in the individuals like me but I am a very staunch Second Amendment supporter mm. and there <clears throat> like the Washington Post CNN etc cetera, etc cetera, have all posted headlines that say. When and if Joe Biden steps aside for Kamala Harris. Now, whether that means he's going to serve his first term and that she'll run as, like, quote, the incumbent, whatever. The fact of the matter is, is that she said on the debate stage during the primaries, within the first hundred days, I will put forward legislation that will ban private uh, ownership of assault weapons, which essentially essentially means semi-automatic rifles no but you see what she said i understand no 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 no. she knows what she's fucking talking about she's using the 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 vernacular that Fair enough, inspires because, because she said i'm going to ban the importation of um of of, of semi-automatic wep- automatic weapons except for the fn all semi-automatic weapons are made in the united states so you can't ban the importation you'd have to ban the sale of them i mean right. the, the whole and point so is and she's and she's also said though she's like she's like oh i'm in favor of um, a mandatory gun buyback program. You know what that sounds like to me? Confiscation. Confiscation. Right. So uh-huh. to me, it's a non-starter. So I will do everything in my power to make sure that that woman never comes close to the cloth. Like, that's it. I'm sorry. Like, you, you are, you're and, fucked. And, and Biden's you're running, and Biden's running as a one-term president. He said it himself. He's like, I'm a transition candidate. Right. Transition so, to what? Right. No, fuck Like, it. find <laughs> something new. Like, I'm a registered Democrat. Like, and, and <laughs> like, I'm a centrist Democrat. I'm a like, registered Democrat too. And so, like, I have no fucking election. issue. I'm a centri- uh, registered like, I think, <laughs> uh, generally speaking, over over the course of my life, mm. like my political life, I have definitely aligned more so with those types of policies. Where I am a social liberal and a fiscal conservative. Mm-hmm. The Republicans are no longer fiscally vote. conservative, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm willing to just abandon my social liberal stance. And if you're telling me that your entire platform is going to be based off of segmenting the population into these identity groups and that mine just so happens to be the worst the, one the worst one mm-hmm. like i'm not here for it like i can't i can't support that you have to and call yourself a ginger and it's <laughs> and it's not because i think that i deserve to be treated in a way that's different or better than anybody else it's the idea that like there's no commonality here then if we if we all say like oh one person is better than another based off of these immutable characteristics like I, we can't even begin to have a conversation Hmm. Like well, we're how- turning to Lebanon, which, of course, as everyone knows, sorry, we'll talk about the bomb after it was so badass. But that's what we're turning into with these identity politics. Right. Like, we, yeah. the fact that when people say like the VP has to be this type of person, I'm like, well, that sounds yeah. a lot like Lebanon. Yeah, <laughs> right. So like, I, there's just nothing. There's nothing more to offer, uh, or the Democratic Party has nothing to offer me at this point. And just like in 2016, where I was happy to cast my vote for the Libertarian candidate, knowing full well they had. Next to zero chance of making a difference other than potentially like hitting the thresholds so that they be included yeah. in the, you know, the FEC guidelines for uh, being got, on the debate he stage. He got four. <laughs> right. So like that's fine. And at that point in time, I didn't think there was anything to lose. I'll, I'll vote my conscience. Well, here's the thing. I'm voting my conscience this time as well. And it's going to be Trump. It's going to be Trump. There's I'm going to vote no for Joe fucking... Jorgensen because I got to stay clean. But, like, but yeah, I totally understand that because the Democrats are really off the well, rails. And you're, and you're also not necessarily as convicted as I am as far as Certainly like, true. And, right, I, and so I have, these, less, and I have less to lose. Yeah. Because, again, so, I'm, you know, I'm not as established as you are. You, know, like, yeah. like you have a lot more to lose. It's just a fact. Yeah. Like, you're a professional 
And granted, you're probably going to transition, you know, from... <laughs> fuck your boss. You're like starting, <laughs> starting your own engineering firm instead of like instead of working for others. But like the point is, you have a lot to lose, and you're invested. Like you're not like me. You're not gonna like go off and get your ass beat every every two years in a foreign country just to see whether or not you can make it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I could do it. I could do it. Cut me. Just cut me. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I can totally do it in in Afghanistan this yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. I can, so, I can next time, Portugal or Panama for sure, or Puerto Rico it has to be the stay with the peas. Yeah, and so I mean that's <laughs> honestly I, look Peru. Pakistan, <laughs> and it pains me to say because like there's there's honestly like there is nothing nothing that I despise more than the rhetoric and the flow of consciousness like type of politician like Donald Trump is like I mean I I really can't. I cannot abide by the things Biden. he says. <laughs> cannot abide I cannot I cannot abide by the things that Donald Trump says off of the cuff, but what I can abide by is the way that his policies have been enacted and the way that the country has been moving ex pandemic, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I think generally speaking things have been going very well. They've been trending upward, not just for me, not my class, mm-hmm. but also for the millions of people no, that's all true. that are 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 significantly less well off than I am. But the fact of the matter is is that I, I just don't see any way that we improve the lives of the people that need it the most by following this fucking identity train into the gully. I want to pivot to Francesca. Off, off the bridge. I got to pivot to Francesca. Thank God, I have you're, to pee so bad. You're, a, <laughs> you're obviously not a citizen. You can't vote. Yeah. Your daughter's a citizen, so by dint of identity politics, you now have slightly more uh, latitude in this conversation. No, the point is, <laughs> I'm asking you, if you could vote right now, I know your political leanings, your your ideology, and I think it's all rock solid, even if it's somewhat diametrically opposed to my own, but knowing what you know about America, knowing uh-huh. what you know from being an American, because you've been here for 10 years. As far as I'm concerned, you're as American as that my fucking dog. You've been in this country longer than my dog. Let's put that in the context. Oh, wow, and my dog has more rights than you. Hear that? My dog, has pa- my dog has a dog passport to travel. You don't. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, if you had to vote for right now, what would you choose? Would you choose strategy or tactics? Would you vote for the left because you're like, well, that's ultimately the more important change to get rid of Trump and to like push us in any sort of that direction? Or would you say, fuck this, I'm voting third party, or I'm voting Trump, or I'm or I'm abstaining, or something. What would you do? Yeah. Seriously, well, I'll In definitely I'll definitely vote for a vote for a third party, uh, and and in any case, that's my recommendation for everybody. First, you cannot, and uh, what what he just told us, Andrew, is it's um, it's what I recommend to everybody, especially my students. So sorry to bring back again that thing. Uh, that you have to. Into- it doesn't matter where you choose or your philosophy of life your political, economical uh, approach to the, the life in this planet in general. Uh, but you have to, inter- inter- to intellectualize those choices. Um, by intellectualize, I mean that you cannot let yourself go through superficial ideas. Like, I vote for this guy because the color of their skin or because it's funny. Or I don't, I'm not voting this person because it's horrible. Well, you can still vote for his party and you still find unlikable Donald Trump. Uh, but if you intellectualize those issues, then you understand first the problem of the people that you're supposed to vote, is what you said about the Democratic Party. You intellectualize what it means to be Democrat, and they don't represent that. And when you intellectualize your political views, you understand that you have points in common with other philosophies of life, 
with other uh, political uh, options. For me, it's laughable when I see so many people in this country that they call themselves, themselves Marxists. For me, they are just <laughs> fundamentalist, integrist, uh, religious people uh, that, because they never uh, studied deeply Marxism. Uh, if they study deeply Marxism, they could be they could get along with other philosophies of life or with other uh, political approaches if they did that job. But it, of course, it takes like time and effort and the whole thing. So, knowing as myself and I know myself, I will vote probably Libertarian or Green Party. It depends of the it depends of the candidates that they were choosing. It will be definitely or Libertarian or Green Party. Ooh, nice. I, w I will never vote for. For me, it will be highly complicated to vote for a Democrat or Republican Party if they keep playing that game of the person that they are, the, the leaders of these two uh, hyper-complex parties. I came from a world that the parties are much more simple than here. Here you have families within families in the Democrat and the Republican Party. So if I still see this disconnection, for me, it's like not worth it. And and I will vote for a, definitely a third party. Yeah, and that, my big thing about voting third party consistently is like, unless the mainstream parties are offering up something really interesting and compelling, even the lesser of two evils argument that Andrew is making, at the end of the day, even if he hasn't said those uh, words, I'm going to object to that. But, okay, but go yeah, ahead. But I'm going to say like, we have to grow the movement. To me, the, the long term strategy trumps tactics. But like, uh, trumps. And forget um. But look, I get, look, for, for sure, like, if I had to choose between one of the two parties, it's easy. Trump, that's too obvious for me. Sure. But, like, but given the chance that I can always vote libertarian, I have to keep voting libertarian because I really do. The only way I'm going to bring more life to that movement is with every single vote and influencing the conversation. I totally agree mm -hmm. with this philosophy. I, I, I And, again, I find myself in a very precarious and honestly, like, introspective place where I'm, like, I have to justify my most selfish motives, which are obviously the Your same family. as yours, yeah. right? No, 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 the same as yours to say, I would very much love to see that there would be a viable third party candidate and that it would, it would bring about some change. But I don't, mm -hmm. I look at the landscape where we're at right now. And in no, 20, are high. hold on, in 2016, you had Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. To me, I thought Hillary was inevitable. Same right. Here. And so there was one of those things where it was just like Trump is laughable. There's absolutely no chance he's going to be elected. You know what? I'm voting my principles. I have no fucking problem with this. This candidate, Gary Johnson, who I've researched through and through, definitely does tend to align with my sensibilities more so than anybody else. When I look at Joe Jorgensen, I think to myself, I'm like, she is absolutely as close as you can get to a Gary Johnson libertarian, which is more of a small L libertarian than a big L libertarian. That's correct. Right. Which, fine, great. But the way I look at the libertarian party is, if we're going to do it, let's fucking go whole hog. And I don't think that she has the opportunity nor the environment to really even get close to the 5% number, which is, which is really what I was looking for in the first place. Did You're I right think right. that Gary Johnson could get elected? Absolutely not. No, but I thought he five percent. He almost did. Just the five percent. That's what I want. That's that's what to me is moving the movement forward. In absence of that, I'm going to do what I believe is to be the best move for not just my family, but for the country generally. You're absolutely right. And I, so I, it's not the lesser of two evils. It's I'm making a reasonable value argument. And so 
I that's I, where I stand. You're absolutely right. Like I, I got to recontextualize, I I gotta recontextualize I, what I say to make make sure. It yeah, because it, it definitely cheapens it. It's no, not something where I know, I'm like, I know, I know. just like, oh well. This no, no, isn't they're both right. shit. No, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. Like I, I don't disagree with any of that. To me, it just comes down to. Well, I had something to say before, but I've had too much vodka. But the <laughs> I, I would I would go to. You were actually right because in the sense that like I was making a point about strategy and tactics, and you're right because your tactic is to elect Donald Trump in order to evoke the strategy of like taking care of the greatest amount of people, the utilitarian argument of taking care of the most amount of people for the least amount of like uh, wasted resources, and so you're actually in line with both your strategy and tactics. You there is no disconnect, and if I implied that before, I apologize. No, no, no. But, I don't think that you did. But, but, but the, I think that people could have interpreted that way, yeah, which sure. is why I said I object to that. And you're right. Joe Jorgensen has no chance of getting to the five percent this election. I mean, this is this is a fucking joke. But like, ultimately, because I already consider America to be a far gone conclusion because of which way the winds are, have been blowing. Not with winds are blowing today, but the way they've been blowing for decades. Sure. I, I just got to stand with what I have because you, you have to understand. Like, this is going to sound like a cheap, but this is what just came to my mind. You have no idea how many times this happens when you're abroad. I mean, the first fucking thing... People ask you if you're a Trump voter in Europe the way people ask you if you're a Muslim in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> sure, fair it's, enough. It's fucking yes, crazy. It is, right. it is. And I'm like, is. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm like, yeah, Trump's problematic, but you have to understand where he comes from. Look at this. Look at the Republican Party. Look at it's the Democratic Party. Look at the two-party system. Look at America. Look, look at what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing it for that reason, but it sure as fuck fucking helps in, in conversation because even having to... You know how many people believe that we act, it's true we live in a two party system, which is in fact a one party system, but most people don't even realize that we even have third parties in America. They think the third party in America is like the socialist American. Right, right, right. What's it's the Green ISO? Party. International Socialist Organization. Yeah. But th- it, not a, that's not exactly a political party. No, but they have like they have their, their branches on college yeah, they, campuses and they yeah, have like yeah. their ca- I, I tell people like, no, no, it's it's a little there's there's a little more traction than that, but like but yeah, my problem with the Libertarian Party is that they sh- they they parachute in every four years like, Hello, Right. And it's like, come on, like we have to clearly run from the bottom up. We need to have people that are brave enough to run as aldermen and fucking and, and mayors yeah. uh, and not be afraid to say like I'm a libertarian. School board. Yeah, you know, exactly. Things that yeah, matter. For sure. And we, we need to run on that. It's amazing that people like Gary Johnson made it to governor. It's incredible. Yeah. But I think he ran at the time as a as a Republican. Yeah. And so and this is what you oh. have to do. Like Bernie Sanders is a is a social democrat who calls himself a democratic social because he's a fucking old retard, <laughs> but he fucking but he ran as a Democrat because he's not stupid. Right. You know, and he realizes that's how he, you, he's not stupid. He's pragmatic. He's pragmatic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that that's uh, that's there. And um, yeah. Another thing that I wanted to say about your argument is that that's something that it's painfully to see how fast uh, and probably it's not even recoverable. The idea um, that we forgot that the, the vote of a citizen is not wrong. Mm-hmm. So the people doesn't vote wrong. They just vote. Correct. The, the, the way you use as a, as a like, I don't know exactly how to put it, politician, let's say that, um, they are the ones doing the wrong job. Right. The wrong work. Sure. Uh, uh, but the citizen voting is never wrong. And, and we treat people voting certain things as if it was a wrong thing. Yeah, of course. You uh, always get that, that uh, argument. Mistake. Like, oh, my God. Oh, you, waste, like, you wasted your vote. Yeah, I, you wasted yeah. your vote or you went to, oh, I want a cow meal, but I, for, I sleep and I, t- I took the coconut milk. That, that's a mistake. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but voting shouldn't be a mistake. We should have a thing every time we do an episode where like, like our top five favorite memes since the last episode <laughs> i mean like because sure. obviously the memes are gonna get spicier as we get closer to of the course. election and yeah there's all kinds of fun ones i mean for the libertarian one there's ones like 
like the the libertarian vote is too important to split <laughs> on the two party system. There's a bunch more. I honestly can't remember because I'm always like shit posting. But yeah, yeah. Just generally though, I mean, like, I totally get the contention that like you know you always need to vote your principles and then weigh them against the greater good. And I think like more as as time has gone on and we're continually like offered worse and worse candidates like you said something online and i continue to refer to it you were in an argument with lucky and lucky was like oh you consider yourself a libertarian and you said libertarianism is a vehicle with which i use to express my ideas it's not a straitjacket." yeah exactly and like that to me uh-huh, is exactly uh-huh. how i feel about this particular thing so like when i sit there and i tell you like it pains me to say, like, as the words come out of my mouth, I feel conv- like there are Democrats voting for Trump, right? And, and so there are like, Republicans voting for Democrats because right. they got to get rid of Trump, right? I mean, they have and their so priorities. So to me, though, but again, like, it's not. It pains me to say that I can't. I can't really even. I can't do. What I would truly want to do, in a way that doesn't conflict with more important priorities. Does that make sense? If there's a hierarchy of priorities, like box one is checked by voting for Trump because I can keep these tyrannical fucking potential dictators out of Mm -hmm. office. Box two though is like you're sacrificing and you're, you're laying yourself at the altar for the sticks and arrows that people are going to sling because you're saying that this isn't necessarily the best choice, but I've also rationalized it in that this offers the best choice for the most people. So in my view, I'm I'm being selfless in my actions where I'm saying I think this prevents the most harm that could be done to the people that don't necessarily have a voice. Like as weird as that sounds, like I mean I... So there's like an old meme where it's like, I wish Republicans would vote the way they campaign and I wish Democrats were honest about the effects of their policies, right? And so the idea that I can continue to allow these people to acquire more and more power and to create situations that harm more and more individuals that don't have the same voice that I do mm-hmm. is just that that puts me in a position where I I have no other choice. And so I'd like to be selfish and say, yeah, I want to cast my vote for the libertarian candidate because that is truly the best fit for who I am. But at this point in time, there's there's more at stake than just me and my family. I think that I'd be just fine if if Biden and Kamala got elected. Yeah, it would pain me if they were like, oh, mandatory gun buybacks, this, that, and the other. I think that it would damage this country beyond repair. And that is the reason why I'm, like, standing up for these people that don't necessarily, and whether that's hubris or just fucking some other fucking, yeah, like, white, savior oh, complex. Yeah, white savior complex? Right. <laughs> so that's fine. I'll bear that cross. But I'm, I'm definitely in the camp where I'm like, these people know not what they do, and I'm happy to stand in their stead and do what I can to at least try to balance that out and make the best of, of okay. what is ostensibly the worst decision we've been well, faced Well, look, I with. can respect what both of you said. I think they're both reasonable choices. Again, I don't... Like, uh, Anthony Davies, like like a super important libertarian... Oh, the center for the Lakers? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's Anthony Davis. Yeah, anyway, go no, on. Anyway, like, he's a super we haven't even gotten to the NBA. He's super, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna cut <laughs> off after this, I think. But like, like Anthony da- uh, Davies, like an important economist and obviously like influential figure in the libertarian movement. 
you know, he he tried to drive something home. And instead of talking about class-based society, he said, like, you know, consider, like, how tribalistic we've become. It's true. We have some aspect of racialism in this country. I mean, from asking people on their forms what race they are to how we pander to people in elections to our even our policies and, like, things like that. He goes, but unless you're, like, you're, like, a ridiculous fucking not Nazi... You want to fix these problems. Nobody likes the idea of turning on the television and seeing unarmed people killed by the police. We're not talking about contemporary issues. I'm, I'm talking about like just in general. Yeah. We clearly see like that's problematic. Whether you see it as a racial issue or you see it as a fucking uh, authoritarian issue, you see that it's an issue. Good, good-natured people want to fix this problem. It's very rare for people to say something like, black people are fucking stupid, and even worse, they're evil, their policies are terrible, or, or for the opposite. And when we see it, we're rightly disgusted. This is almost completely mainstream with how Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives talk about each other. Like it's so easy to dismiss the opposition as evil, uh-huh. dangerous, stupid. Imagine, and, and to me, it's because because Republican and Democrat, despite attempts by the Democratic Party to paint themselves as a multiracial party, and, and then and then their attempts to smear the Republican Party as this white party. Like people don't use these types of of, of, of political speech. But we use this all the time when we when we talk about the opposition. I mean, even I was listening to an episode of our podcast the other night, and I was like, geez, this is almost painful to a certain extent. Like, granted, it wasn't our best episode, but I was like, man, I sound like a fucking hack. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I if I if I say left one more fucking time, <laughs> like, I need to talk about ideas, and like, I gotta stop talking about people, and um, and using left as a sub, uh, as a substitution for ideas isn't good enough. I need to literally speak about what I'm talking. Am I talking about cultural Marxism? Am I talking about neoliberalism? Am I talking about whatever the fuck I'm talking about? I need to I need to be more specific, and I'm gonna try better on this podcast to live up to those ideals. But yeah, it's it's totally ridiculous how we just dismiss people in this country who have different political views as us as evil or dangerous or inept, and um, and I don't think it's helpful. And that's why what I'll end on. Sorry. Okay. No, I was about to say that. That's what I how I knew that Donald Trump will win in 2016 because I, I saw every day this kind of behavior from what is considered people the culturally democrat party type of person, basically college people, and and the way that they were referring to anything that a Republican will say or think or be- believe or something. It was always this kind of insult reaction like automatic and of course, I mean, you cannot convince People that they they are like the stereotypical Republican voter, telling them that they are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> you don't build a coalition right. <laughs> by excluding people. Yeah, yeah it's fair it's, it's incredible that they thought that could work. So I right, I I totally saw that. Well, remember they're all uh, what Hillary call them? Uh, dis- deplorables. Deplorables. A basket of deplorables, which is really fucking bad. Yeah. yeah. Considering like her again, she doesn't ha- not to like go down Hillary hole, but like imagine someone with her moral deficiency and dearth of good decision making talking shit about people yeah. for voting with their heart as if she ever knew what one was I'm sure she had a heart it probably died in her 20s but like like I understand that like, but again this is the whole thing like even when I look at people like her I understand w- within the capacity of my ability to understand who she is and why she is the yeah. way she is I just think it's the wrong choice, and, and clearly it, it didn't work out for her. Like at least if she made president, well, I rose to the well, top, I'm, so say what you want. Yeah, it, another cliche adage though is like always they they say that like liberals vote with their hearts and Republicans vote with their brains, and it's like no, that's not necessarily fair. But like I mean, I understand that there is like some sort of trade off that both sides go through where they're like, hey, listen, like we think that we have the best solution for these people because we want to solve. 
whatever problems they may be facing. But like you have to recognize that at a certain point, like you're barking up the wrong tree and all you have to do is like take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, mix it in, you know, and then just come up with a solution that works for all people. And I mean, this this would work wonders for both sides since we can't ever have a reasonable third party. Yeah, supposedly the left and the right are both concerned with corporatism, but no one ever frames <laughs> tax law in the frame of corporatism. They always refer it in the form of the 1%, the rich man, rich man, rich white man, rich straight white man. I mean, it's 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 there. Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious. And yeah, I think it's problematic, and I don't think rainbow coalitions work. But I tell and, you what, we are going to solve this on our next podcast. And that's, I think, a good place yeah, to yeah, end yeah. it. No, we're fucking done. So fucking thank fucking you. Done. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is hopefully going to be the first of many regular podcasts. Hopefully we can get Frances, Dr. Frances down here again for his second appearance as a doctor. And uh, <laughs> No, thank you. Thank you for, obviously, thank you Seriously. for coming. Yeah. Driving down four hours just to be here for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm expecting the, uh, yes. some kind of like... Yes, you've like you've you've ex- salary or something. You, yeah, I was gonna say you've extended like a, a reasonable uh, layer of uh, official credence to this podcast <laughs> that mm-hmm. us lowly uh, bachelor yeah. uh, and master degree yeah, you are uh, graduates plot- have. Got the plotable people. Yeah. No, I th- no, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and <laughs> and I hope someone gets something out of it, and that's it for sure. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We'll bring you another episode shortly. Be well. Peace. Thank you.